Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover. I am Steve, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Jeff. Jeff, what's up, What is up, everyone? Yeah, how's it going, Steve? How's, How's it going at home? It's going good, man. Going good. Can't complain. Things are going good. Everybody's good. How about you? Everything is well. I mean, our household keeps getting calls from Lanny Poffo, but none of them are for me. So, (laughs) but I'm sure we'll be best friends soon. I think you should do a little bit of context for our listeners. I mean, we haven't really spoken about that in previous episodes. This is true. Well, my girlfriend, who we've been together now for five years, um, I call her La Sicaria. I'm sure you've heard that. Her real name is Viviana, and she's from Ecuador. Um, and she's a U.S. citizen, but she's a dual citizen as well. And she has a YouTube channel called Vivir la Magia por Viviana, which is uh, Live the Magic with Viviana. And it's basically tourism videos promoting parts of Ecuador and its culture. She had a uh, Colombian singer do a serenade on there. Uh, yes, he's Colombian, not Ecuadorian, but it is to promote the region as well, but focusing on Ecuador. As it turns out, Lanny Pafo has moved to Ecuador some months ago, and he's just one of the wrestlers on Facebook who at some point I sent a friend request and he accepted it, I mean, some years ago. And I'm seeing all these pictures he's posting from Ecuador. And I'm like, hey, Viviana, like this guy, Lanny Pafo, that, that's Randy Savage's brother. I'm wearing a shirt right now. Um, and she doesn't know who Randy Savage is, but she recognizes my shirt. She doesn't know who Lanny Pafo is. Um, I said, why don't you send him one of your videos? And she's like, okay, well, you know, send me his information. I did. or And she sent one of the videos. And he's like, I love it. And she's like, oh, great. I was hoping you'd do a, a video with me for Ecuador. He's like, he's like, yeah, well, I don't do those anymore, but I'll do it for you because you seem so nice. <laughs> and so they, they shot a conversation where she, the bookends are in Spanish, but the, the conversation is in English because it's cute because her English is good, but it's not perfect. It's not fluent. And his Spanish is not good at all. So it's in English and it's cute because there's some obvious, you know, misunderstandings or where they don't understand each other, but they both pretend they do. And of course, Mm -hmm. there's things I recognize because I, you know, know her and her mannerisms. But yeah, there's like there's an hour long conversation with her and Lanny Poffo about Ecuador and things like that. And, And they talk about Randy a little bit. He brought he brought up Randy a bunch. Um, but it's on YouTube. It's Vivir la Magia por Viviana. Um, you can check out all the videos. Vivir la Magia. Right. Warning Live the alert. magic. Warning alert to all of you. She's too sexy. Um, and uh, yeah, but check it out. And you can see Lanny in his new natural environments talking about stuff not wrestling related and really being himself. So I think it's pretty cool. And I'm sure one day I'll work that into an interview or protective order, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, probably, the, probably the latter more than the former, right? You never know. If I go to Ecuador and don't come back, you know who did it. It's, it's, we're gonna have a dark side of the ring episode. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Lipman, evil dose, genius, <laughs> evil dose, and the evil dose and the genius. The, 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 sadly, there's there's about a list of ten thousand suspects in that part of the world that would, that would that are on that list to kill me. So, <laughs> oh wow, All right. Well, we've got a lot to discuss on this episode. We've got zombies and backlash. We've got uh, NXT releases. We've got AEW. Lots of uh, infighting in AEW between New Japan being frustrated, the elite not talking to each other, stuff we'll get into. 
a little later on in the show. Plus, obviously, the regular week review of uh, wrestling and news and uh, the passing of New Jack. So um, let's just well, jump right into it. By week, you mean W-E-E-K, not W-E-A-K? That's right. Well, it was it was rather weak week in wrestling, but I mean, I feel like the last forty eight hours of releases and news and just very chock full of touring news. It's uh, very exciting in the chats and in the drunk wrestling tweets. community. Oh, drunk tweets too. There, there, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, there is a lot to talk about. Um, let's start with zombies and backlash. WWE Backlash, sorry, WrestleMania Backlash was on Sunday. Um, we gave our predictions last week on the show. And um, Jeff, what are your thoughts on the show? I thought, minus the zombies, the show was pretty good. I thought parts of it were great. I love the triple threat match for the WWE Championship. I thought that the Roman Cesaro match was amazing. I thought the women's match, uh, Bianca... Bailey was good. I don't think it stole the show, but I think it was solid. I very much liked how she used the braid as leverage. If the hair can be used against you, it can be used uh, for you as well. And, and I think that we said that the hair was definitely going to play a factor in the finish and that this feud is not over. And I think I tweeted during the week that everyone get ready for bald Bailey because there's going to be a hair versus hair match at Hell in a Cell. And Sure enough, tonight on SmackDown, we saw that Bailey is not done with Bianca yet, and she's blaming mm. it on the hair. So there we go. Um, you, I think, would have been perfect with predictions had I not uh, botched you up with the Rhea thing. But, you know, the reasoning seemed correct. Now, those ladies did okay. I think normally if we were grading the three of them in a the match, it would have been subpar. But being how poorly they worked in the preceding four weeks together – I would say they overperformed over recent stuff. But aside from the Rhea match, I think we got everything right. I mean, I know I predicted the Mysterios to win mm -hmm. um, and Lashley and Bianca and Roman to retain. Um, uh, we didn't know Sheamus was beyond, but I think we even predicted there's likely going to be a Sheamus U.S. title and he'll probably retain. Um, I think I predicted that there'll be a SmackDown rematch uh, on Backlash, WrestleMania, there wasn't, but they did have that on Raw, and the the champs, the new champs retained. So, uh, I think we did pretty good. I think we did pretty good as well. I mean, I I did buy into your logic about why Rhea was botching all over the place with Oscar leading up to Backlash. I I bought into the notion that she was injured. However, she was not injured, and so we. Um, still have her as the champion. Um, I like the pay-per-view. You had two really good matches, as you mentioned, This the, the men's Raw um, world title um, triple threat, as well as Cesaro versus Roman was a really good match. I think because of the zombie backlash, pun intended, not enough people were talking about this Roman and Cesaro match. Like Roman, Roman gets knocked a lot for, oh, he doesn't know how to wrestle. Like the guy knows how to wrestle. It's just Vince tells him, you're a brawler. Nobody wants to see you go, you know, grapple for grapple, uh, chain wrestle, because you're the tribal chief. You're not supposed. You're supposed to be bigger than that, more powerful than that. So no one's gonna want to see that but 
here you got to see like Roman hold his own with Cesaro, probably quite possibly the best technical wrestler in the industry at the moment. Um, yeah, the zombie thing. Lots of people talk about these zombies. Before I get into my thoughts on the zombies, Jeff, what did you think about these zombies during the uh, Damian Priest and Miz match? Okay. I thought the Damian Priest and Miz match in and of itself was okay. It was pretty good. Damian Priest won. He should have won. I also want to pump up Sheamus again because I I think that he delivered another solid match. And I really thought that they were going to do a title change and they had me fooled and they didn't. Um, So sorry, Ricochet, but Sheamus, you, you continue to be the man. Um, the zombies, I thought that was awful. I mean, that, that was about as bad of anything I've seen in, in wrestling. And I know really? that, you know, yeah, I thought it was terrible. I mean, it was really embarrassing. I thought it, talk, it took me out of everything. And, you know, I thought it was a stupid insult when WWE officials allegedly said that blood and gut set wrestling back 30 years, because the point is 30 years ago, 10 million people were watching wrestling shows regularly. So that's a compliment. Um, and to say it about this is also insulting wrestling from 30 years ago. That said, I, I thought it was terrible. And listen, we all know why they did it. Batista's movie, which dropped tonight on Netflix, and I hear it's okay or pr- pretty good. Um, and they got Batista to do the voiceover intro, and that's cool, and the commercials, and that that's great. But you know what they could have done instead? I mean, you know, there's a guy that they have a pretty good relationship with. His name is Bad Bunny. Maybe he could have done a cover of Thriller and even done the licensing and got some arrangement. And they could have had the zombies actually do the Thriller dance midway through the show. That wouldn't have been stupid. That would have made sense. There's plenty of musical numbers in sporting events, including wrestling events such as WrestleMania. So, or if they couldn't get Bad Bunny, Poppy or whatever. I don't know. They... They could have thought about a whole bunch of things other than this, the wrestlers having to sell it as real, the announcers sort of running away, but like going 10 feet to safety. And I mean, the only thing that could possibly come good out of this is that the Miz actually got eaten. And if the Miz actually got eaten and we never see him again, that would be fine. I think this was a way to write him off for a couple of months because, you know, and we heard there's a report, but it's not confirmed or, you know, whatever. I don't know who wrote it out but i i just didn't believe it is what it boils down to that the miz got injured during this uh pre-taped zombie match which i think is a load of bullshit here you have one of the safest workers in all of wrestling and then because there's zombies now he's all of a sudden injured i just think they just wanted to write him off and give him some sort of dignity to be like oh he wasn't written off because he was eaten by zombies because everybody shit canned this uh entire uh uh, segment I I didn't have a problem with it one because I I don't expect too much from WWE like my expectation levels are just like all right let's see what they throw at the dartboard today and sometimes they hit and sometimes they miss I'm not always expecting bullseye so with that said in a world where the fiend exists Alexa Bliss exists where she's talking to a puppet and telling the puppet to give Shayna Baszler cramps seven days before. Like, it's in the realm of believability, in my opinion, that the zombies can live in this world. Because, you know what? If, if I'm supposed to be believe in all of this supernatural... This is why I don't like the fucking supernatural bullshit. We've had this conversation before. But 
in a world where this stuff does exist and these characters do exist, the zombies are fucking par for the course, in my opinion. Am I crazy? No, you make sense. But here's why I differ. And this is how I think a wrestling fan would, would distinguish it. And that is that the, I mean, the fourth wall has been gone a long time, but like the, the fifth wall was broken because we knew the zombies were tied into Batista's movie, which is Hollywood, which is make-believe. It, it's almost like Zeus coming in as a wrestler, and we're supposed to believe that he wasn't the actor who played the guy in the movie. Um, mm -hmm. But this is worse because they're supernatural creatures. So, yes, as a wrestling fan, I can, I can distinguish between The Undertaker, The Brood, even The Druids, um, who were part of the wrestling universe, part of the extensions of the character. This was part of the outside world brought in and their zombies. So, yeah, it's thin, but everything to be a wrestling fan is thin. That's it. Well, I, except, I just, except, except their body, fra that's their body frames. <laughs> but, but I thought it was poorly done at that. I thought, you know, none of the stuff with Morrison was funny. I'm not sure if Miz got hurt in this match or not. I mean, the fact that he's a safe worker doesn't really mean anything because he's 40. Once you're 40, things start to twitch and tinge pretty easily. You don't have to do much to do it. something. And he's been doing this 20 years uh, or, or mm -hmm. close to it nonstop. So... This could, this could just have been not really a torn ACL or whatever, but it just could be a cumulative effect that maybe they're going to do orthoscopic surgery and clean some stuff up. I, I'm, I'm amazed he's gone, I think, what is now, 16 or 18 years without any sort of injury of significance. So, and, and he's earned some time off, but I believe there's an injury. I don't think it happened during this match. Um, anyway, how do you write him back on when he got eaten by zombies? They'll find a way. He'll walk out of a swamp. I don't know. Bray Wyatt will make him pop out of a uh, jack-in-the-box. Here's um, the other thing. Forget about the supernatural characters. If AEW did this, you 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 would have actually been th through the roof. Like, you'd be having repairmen in your house all week long to repair your floors, your ceiling, and, and your without roof. A doubt. So, without a I doubt. So, I mean, you know, but, but I try is, to be fair. <laughs> I And so do I, Jeff. But here's the problem. <laughs> Jeff, if if you started a wrestling company citing everything that WWE does is shit and that you're going to be the wrestling company that rises above it and you're going to be more sports-based and you're going to be more creative-based, right? Everything's going to be more related to sports competition. If that's your brand and you're going to give me the wrestling dinosaur, the wrestling zombie Abaddon, you're, then you're bullshit. You're fucking the same as WWE. Like, don't give me this, oh, we're better than them because we're sports competition-based. Bullshit. You're sports entertainment. You're the same fucking thing in a different fucking can. That's it. So that's why I get frustrated with AEW because AEW and their fans like to believe that they're better when it's all the same fucking pig in different lipstick. I agree with you on that. Um, I just think the zombies would have been terrible anywhere. And I, <laughs> you know, and I expect the, be the best company to at least try to put out the best product. Uh, and I keep hoping that they will. And the narrative is they only care about their marketing, their cross promotion and wrestling is the least important thing to them. And this, this is proof of that narrative. They basically did a commercial for a Netflix movie and, you know, jeopardized their entire, entire pay-per-view that, that nobody could have legitimately thought that this was particularly clever. It's just the first thing someone thought and said, good enough, just put it out there. Nobody, you know, the same people watch anyway.
I saw a lot of people criticizing it negatively, yes, but I did see a, a small fraction of people saying, oh, this was cool, my kids watched it, and they were very intrigued by the zombies, they were like, run it back, dad. Like, I can see that, because you know, again... You know what I say about that? I quote the great philosopher Brock Lesnar, I don't give a shit about your kids. <laughs> but, but Jeff... <laughs> For 30 years, this is this is where I, I, I call bullshit on this fucking upsetness, upset, anger, frustration about the zombies. The zombies are the undead. And for 30 fucking years, you've had the same WWE fans worshipping the icon that is known as the dead man, the Undertaker. He's, he's also... Um, mythological right he's bull he's not fucking really shooting lasers he's not turning on the lights with his fucking hands it's all in the fucking magic i don't know show, what, I, what you're speaking right now it's show it's it's show 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 business magic that's all it's just it's it's within the wrestling four corners of the wrestling universe this was from outside coming in it's it's a little, i don't know it's all co outside coming in what's the wrestling what's the wrestling garbage man it's uh, the outside. It's the outside coming in. It's the garbage man that no, is coming it's, it's in. A, it's a character imitating somebody from the outside, or they have another job. But when they come into the wrestling ring, they develop superpowers for money, like a like a real life superhero <laughs> would need to do. <laughs> this is why no, I can't it, fucking get into it with this fucking supernatural shit because I, I just either you buy in or you don't, and it's like all right. But if you if it was a zombie man, garbage man, that I could believe. <laughs> Well, of course, obviously, because he was a working man. Uh, what about a zombie American dream? Like if he was like a, a maintenance man from like Three Mile Island or Chernobyl or something? Oh, my God. Yes, that would be that should be Mira's gimmick. On he's, AEW. Like he's like maintenance spawn or maintenance dark man. <laughs> that, that would be great. <laughs> Janitorial oh engineer. <laughs> yeah, I like the dark man one because that was that's that, that was a hit. Back in Special like the late living janitorial engineer, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the zombies were cool. I thought, but again, it's not like they put the zombies in the Roman Reign Cesaro match. It's not like they put the the zombies in the Lashley match. All right. So um, it's that. Are we, I just, are we just not covering Impact match. Under Siege? <laughs> Listen, we we're talking about the more over undead right now, not the living undead, which yeah, is I, Impact. I watched Under Siege. I don't remember anything that happened. Well, of course you don't, because it was like you were bitten by a zombie just watching it. Because yeah, I, I sort of wish that I was. That that might have made it. You know, you know, it's funny that you mention it because that's probably where the root, the origin of the zombies came from. Those are the 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 twelve zombies that were around the ring were the twelve viewers that watched Impact the night before. You just might be onto something there. We've so what do you agree on the zombies? I don't think you're being entirely honest with the audience or yourself there, um, but that's okay. It, no, I'm being honest with myself. Okay. I'm being honest. Okay. I feel honest. Okay, that's good. Um, anyway, I, I mean, look, I, I'm sure everyone by now has formed their own opinion on the zombies, and I think that one thing is unanimous. We can all agree that we would just like to forget it and move forward. Even if Scotty too hot, the rumor had it that one of the zombies was Scotty too hot. Does that not put the zombies over in your eyes? No, no. <laughs> and and if a zombie didn't do the worm, I don't see the point. 
Mm, this is true. So if if the zombies did a worm, one of the zombies did a worm, you'd be you'd be for it. You'd be like, this shit, this shit's hot. Steve, this is a pro wrestling podcast. I don't deal with fake hypotheticals. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. I know you're just too busy, you know, trying to keep Lady Poffle away from your woman. <laughs> I know. Why, why doesn't he see anything in me? He maybe he will one day. Maybe. I'm smart. Right. I'm <laughs> all right, Fredo. Right. I'm smart. I'm smart too. I'm I can smart. do things. I won't screw it up. You'll see. <laughs> yeah. They want me to run a ringy thing fight club. Throw pop. Um, let's move on to NXT. Was there, is there anything else um, from Backlash that we want to cover? No, right? No, no, no. I mean, we can go and we can cover Raw if you want, because that comes next chronologically, or we can go into NXT. I don't care. Yeah, but we can cover that. Like, we've got uh, some WWE review and news later. Let's just move into NXT because I want to start with the NXT releases and then move into the NXT review. That's fine. So, um, like, I don't know, the last two, three days, we've had a plethora of NXT releases, some surprising, some not so surprising. I think the most notable, <laughs> I love the timing of it. They released, they released like, like 10 people on, what was it, Wednesday? And then they decided, oh, we forgot a name and dropped that one on Thursday. Before we get to that name, which everybody should already know by now, if you're a wrestling fan, um, any of the names that were dropped on Wednesday that were of shock to you? Of shock to me? Yes. The only one that was, was of shock to me was Skylar Story, a.k.a. Ava Story, a.k.a. Brandy Loren, who was Joey Janela's girlfriend and was in Impact and, and, did some other, and worked on the indies. And she is a spectacularly good-looking woman. Um, she wasn't there very long. She was, with the, I think, signed with the newer performance class, a performance center class rather um so it's it's not like you could declare her hopeless already so i don't know if she asked for her release or she was just that bad but i think someone that good looking that there's there's always some role in the wwe universe for that if you know if evolution doesn't work out or lana moves on i mean you could put skylar story into that type of slot right away you know as a manager and you know i've said it before miss hancock or alexandra york type um, and I'm just surprised that they didn't give more time to see if it would work out or try her in different roles, whatever it is. But, you know, I don't know what happened in, in the back. So I was surprised, but I don't have the inside information. I mean, some of these folks, I didn't really know who they were. I mean, I absolutely was not surprised by Vanessa Bourne or Jessamyn Duke. I have to be honest with you. The first time I ever heard the name Kavita Devi was her release announcement, Hmm. I didn't know the name Ezra Judge, but I know who he is. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I think he was one of the Nigerian Royal Guard in that uh, one or two segments they had with Apollo before they got uh, Commander Aziz in that role. Um, Alexander Wolf. I'm surprised he's last, lasted this long. And if anybody watched NXT Tuesday night and saw what he looks like, I mean, he looks like Hank Hill. I mean, if he had spent the last year and a half exercising, maybe he would have kept his his old his old job. Yes, he, he looks terrible. And I was never a sanity person. And I sort of liked Imperium, but I don't think, I mean, he's the obvious weak link of Imperium. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, Alexander Wolf. And he actually tweeted something that his contract runs out 
June 15th. And the NXT folks, they actually have a 30-day non-compete. So I guess Alexander Wolf was still on his main roster contract. Um, or maybe it was 30 days also. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, th- those were the the talent that it's, you know, Jake Clemens was a referee. I don't know who Jake Clemens is. I saw he's already, you know, got a job with a indie fed, which apparently he's worked for before. So those are the names that I know that, you know, were either non-controversial or, you know, sort of minor controversies. Then we can get into the two that I'm sure that you won't talk about. Well, the NXT releases started with, one of the controversial names, Drake Wirtz, the referee, right? And yep. he was let go. Once he get got let go, then we got stories of the guy was a distraction backstage. He was a nuisance. He was spouting all kinds of QAnon craziness. Um, but we've heard these stories before. This isn't the first time we've heard them. We've heard them all along. We've heard them for the past several months showing up to court appearances with NXT logoed uh, shirts and, and, and merchandise. So obviously an HR nightmare. Um, The second name, which was, so I guess, I guess they wanted to spread out the controversy. I don't know what was the mentality in, in, in waiting a day between him, the rest of the people, and then also, on Thursday, dropping then Velveteen Dream. So when you had all the releases on Wednesday, you had wrestling community chat groups and forums lighting up because, well, I not Velveteen Dream. How do you let go of these guys but not Velveteen Dream? All right. We let, Vel- we let go of Velveteen Dream too. And <laughs> I didn't really see many people defending Velveteen Dream. There were an occasional bunch saying, See, I hope you guys are happy now. Now the guy lost his job. <laughs> I don't I I don't know if that's the hill you want to die on, but whatever if that's how you feel. Um any thoughts on Velveteen Dream uh being released? Yeah, I mean, I'm not terribly surprised. I think he's been someone we've been waiting for this to happen for a while. Um I I know that he was never charged with anything. He was never convicted of anything. You know, WWE did an investigation, said they didn't find anything necessarily incriminating, um, but that's not the same as uh, exculpatory or exonerating. Um, He also is an HR nightmare. And I have to be honest, I didn't think he was all that great a wrestler. And he was sort of he had a clever gimmick and and all that. But I, I remember him not being likable on Tough Enough. He was very pompous. He was very condescending. He seemed to rest everything on the fact that he was the only one there who knew his wrestling history, which was interesting exactly twice. After that, it's just like, you still got to do it. You're still not better than the other folks here. I mean, you still have to work. The fact that you know who Don Kerr Noodle is, or Noodle, you know, or, or you know, Larry Zabisco was, you know, and the other people don't, that doesn't mean that you deserve a job, at least not as a wrestler. But, you know, I, I didn't find his work to be that great. He seemed to flop along flop around a lot he was very long and rangy but we also heard since that he was the most unprofessional person to be around i think i think it was sasha's husband that said it but one of the artists or or uh, costume designers it was somebody that worked in the back i think it was either costume or makeup that said he was one of the most unprofessional people that they've ever worked with on top of that and the name has not been released but there's this rumor of there was one of the released talent apparently happened to be 
there was, a, I guess, a speculation or there was indeed video obtained of this person was taking videos of talent in the bathroom. And so I was going to ask you, do you think that's Velveteen or do you think that's Drake Words? I think it would be Velveteen, if anything, unless Drake Words was undercover. I don't want to speculate on it. I mean, whatever it is, it's it's all weird. Um, all I'm going to say about Velveteen is that he too is an HR nightmare. And, you know, I, I think that his his fate was sealed, you know, and when he kept getting injured and then got into a car accident and then got injured again, that sort of was the end. Why'd they do it a day alone? Um, you know, inquiring minds want to know. I'm sure they will tell you that's just the day that he could get into the office so they could tell him face to face. That makes sense. I, I'm sure that a lot of people think, and I'm not sure they're not wrong, they wanted to announce this alone so they wouldn't get lost in a shuffle so that people knew that Velveteen Dream mm. was released by WWE. And so, yeah, the thing that everyone's yelling at them about, uh, they can stop yelling at them about, and maybe people can stop talking about zombies. <laughs> so that's really why they dropped them was because zombies. the zombies were so horrible that they were like, we've got yeah. something to, we got to get something to cover it up. Let's, let's drop Velveteen. Yeah, maybe Drake also. The zombies were that bad, they decided to get rid of Drake and Velveteen. No, I mean, no, both these guys, you know, <laughs> you know, they, they, they both earned their release. Uh, it, it, it's fine, you, you know, and it wasn't because of Drake's political views. It was because of the intensity and the volume at the workplace about them. He, he would appear, like, on Zoom meetings for, like, town hall or school board meetings uh, in his NXT attire, you know, yelling stuff. Apparently, he made talent feel uncomfortable in some cases, unsafe mm -hmm. um he was not just pro-christian but he was anti other religions um that that's the word anyway uh that, or at least that's the the that's impression the that, that the talent got whether it's true or not but they felt that way and at the yeah. end of the day wwe is about the talent not the referees yes refers a talent but it's more fungible than a wrestler and wwe wwe has just as much a responsibility, if not more so, to the greater number of talent than to the lesser to protect them against other employees or contractors, especially when, you know, when they have access. So I don't have any issue with either one of them. I think they were well earned. We could probably spend more time talking about it, but those are my takes. The last thing that I want to talk about related to the releases are do you are you surprised that uh, Austin Theory was not part of this list? No, because he's been they they've clearly forgiven him of whatever he he's done, or they felt that it was long enough ago. Listen, remember Austin Theory? I think only just turned twenty four, maybe twenty three. He's a young man. So when this happened, whatever it was, you know, the age difference while still being you know eye raising was not as gross. Um, and I guess whatever it was was unsubstantiated or you know not you know. Everyone jumps to conclusions. I don't know all the facts, but whatever it was, when they brought him to the main roster and then they put him with the way working with Johnny Gargano, it was pretty clear that they saw a future in him. And again, I'll I'll say it a million times. Take a photo of Austin Theory or one that's already there. Take a look at it. Don't take a photo because that's weird. Um, and look at take a, a photo, photo while he's in the bathroom. Right. 
and look at a photo, a still shot of young John Cena when he's 22 or 23, and you tell me, then tell me if you still don't know what they see in him, because they mm-hmm. look very much alike. They're very similar. Yep. Um, do you think that they're just keeping him around for the next zombie kerfuffle, and then they'll let him go? Austin Theory. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a theory, Steve. No, I think I think I think they like the I think they like the guy. I think that. If, if, if there's a guy, he, he looks like, you know, American apple pie. He can probably play, play, play face or heel. He can obviously play the Dumbo just fine. He's got a million dollar body and he's young. It's only going to get better. Um, so, and he's pretty agile and he's, he's pretty good. So no, I, I think that, you know, unless he does something really stupid, he's going to be in WWE for the next 10 to 15 years. All right, let's move on to our NXT review. I didn't really catch everything that happened on NXT. I did catch uh, parts of the Gargano, and I always want to call him Stay Puft Marshmallow Man because that's his entrance, right? Um, Bronson Reed. Well, if the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man joined the Dark Order, maybe. (laughs) Bronson Reed um, beats Gargano. Uh, I don't know if... I, I I don't like Bronson Reed. I don't like him. I don't love Bronson Reed. I mean, his promos stink. His voice doesn't fit with him because he's got that, you know, sort of falsetto Australian accent and that giant body. Um, But he's a big guy. He's an agile guy. Have you ever watched uh, Deadpool 2? Of course. He reminds me of the little Australian kid in that, like, the the guy that plays, like, the the little wise-mouthy bad guy. I don't know the I don't know the actor's name, but that's what when I look at Bronson Reed, I remember that kid. Hmm. Well, in a couple of weeks, we are going to pull our December show where we did uh, predictions on breakout stars for 2021. And I'm pretty sure that one of mine was Bronson Reed. So I'm going to be happy about being right that he's got this title. But I thought this was a pretty good match. And listen, a 330-pound man should beat a 150-pound man in a steel cage when the 150-pound when the man can't get away. So th- that was fine. I'm, I'm, I'm all for this. I, I have said for a while that, you know, they give Bronson Reed a little bit of cred, uh, bring him to the main roster, turn him heel, and have him be Roman Stumper. When we had that, episode and you mentioned him as a breakout star i thought you were being facetious i thought that you meant like he was gonna break out like out of like his pants a belt buckle like yes that too possibly i mean he looks rather oily and somewhat sweaty like i don't see the 1980s song breakout i don't see i don't see the appeal of Bronson Reed. How many times I, do I have to say that WWE is once again going to be and is the land of the giants? But not him, though. Like, he's a giant, but like in the way that King Kong Bundy was a giant. Like, mm, more like Tugboat. Nobody fucking bought Tugboat. I did. How many tugboat shirts do you own, uh, Evil Dose? All of them. 
You're out of your fucking I've ordered, mind. I've ordered the market. It's the it's the it's the typhoon shirts I can't get my hands on. <laughs> I love the natural disasters. They were awesome. Oh my god! What? For real? For real? For reals? I hated them. I you have a them. you have a team that's nine hundred pounds. Please, that that's 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 like grilled cheese with tomato and bacon, you know, and double butter for me. What are you talking about? Oh my god! That is that oh is with a side of French fries, and uh, uh, with melted mozzarella and gravy. I can't believe that we're disagreeing about this. Like this is wild. Like I don't know. I just don't get it about Bronson Reed, man. I just well, just don't agree get that. It. Let's just agree. I'm right. You're wrong, and and we can move on. When when he if he ever gets to the main roster, you watch. Vince is going to make him if. Vince is going to make him the laughing stock of WWE. Like he's going to put some clown makeup. Put he, you know what? He's probably going to give him those green outfits and the giant clocks that he wanted to give FTR, and he's going to give that to Bronson Reed. That's fine as long as he does the Funkadelics thing and he does the, and he does the Funka <laughs> Funkadactyls. That I'm all about that. That's good. Somebody call like, Mama. It's it's too it's too unfortunate that people can't see this dance that you're doing at the moment. Like, it is unfortunate. You can if you join our page. Oh, we don't have a Patreon. Never mind. <laughs> people will now the the mailbox will be full after this episode drops because people will be like, "You need this Patreon. I need to see Jeff dancing." Okay. Well, all right. It's well, either that or they're going to be asking for like five by sevens of your girlfriend. You, you can you can get your own by going on subscribing to our channel on YouTube. <laughs> it, it won't it, you won't be wasting your time, especially if you speak Spanish. Yeah, there you go. Or, or maybe especially if you don't. I don't know. Anything else from NXT you want to cover? Sure. Tony Storm got her first win against uh, Zoe Stark. Uh, Frankie Monet made a big appearance. They're making a big deal about her in ring debut next week. Um, Legato wants a tag team uh, title shot, but Ciampa and Thatcher uh, intervened and said, hey, you haven't really done anything yet, yet and you haven't beat us. And then Thatcher said, what in Spanish, Steve? Oh, what did he say? Uh, was it, uh, el gato no tiene pantalones? That's right. And Legato goes, that doesn't make any sense. And Ciampa goes, it makes plenty of sense. <laughs> That's, That's right. For whatever reason, I thought that was the funniest thing. Basically, he said the cat has no shoes. Uh, and zapatos. Right. So they're going to have a match. And that was good. We saw your guy, Cameron Grimes, coming up with the Rolls Royce and thinking that Jake Atlas was valet. So Jake <laughs> Atlas was talking dumb to him, and Cameron Grimes challenges him to a match, which, spoiler alert, we're not going to spend too much time in this, but Cameron Grimes loses to Jake Al Atlas because a much larger stretch limousine pulls up, and it's Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, whose music hits towards the end of the match, which distracts Cameron Grimes, and Jake Atlas wins. Cameron Grimes goes after Ted DiBiase, Ted, Ted DiBiase, I'm going to find where, where'd he go, where'd he go? And Ted DiBiase says, too bad, kid, get him next time, and, ha, 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 and drives away. And then Cameron Grimes goes, Ted DiBiase! So, you know, is, uh, let me yeah. just cut you off right here, because I, I love this this angle. I, I just, I, I know that we've been fantasy booking the IRS audit, yes, which I, I think, I think it's, I think it's coming, but is in reviewing, I, I, I went down the rabbit hole that is all these uh, vignettes with Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase. 
And there seems to be like a running theme of Ted DiBiase is like coaching him. Like you don't just buy the table, you buy the club. You don't, you know, he outbid the house for him. So like, is there any possibility that Ted DiBiase becomes his manager? Yes. There's definitely a possibility of that. I mean, yeah, it's at least 50-50. I mean, my IRS thing is brilliant, but it's probably not going to happen just because of that. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's more, <laughs> more likely that Ted DiBiase will have a gimmick match against Cameron Grimes at a takeover and beat him, or Ted DiBiase will be his manager. There's, there is no way Ted DiBiase is going to get into the ring. Really? He might, he, might, he might pay a guy to be his, uh, you know, uh, alternate. That would be fine, too. That would be a great way to introduce a guy like uh, Parker Brudreau or uh, the, the the Steiner nephew, son. Oh, like, imagine that. Oh, that'd be good. You're right. That's good. Yeah. See, you should become a booker somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and if people give an idea, I can, I can brainstorm and usually improve upon it. Uh, it doesn't just have to be my ideas. But, yeah, that, that's definitely a chance. But whatever it is, I, I you know. It's no longer that amusing to me, and it's really not that amusing to, to the NXT fans because the Cameron Grimes segments have consistently been like the lowest quarter ratings or the second to lowest every single show, uh, almost regardless of whoever he's paired with. It's so weird, though, but like he's so entertaining and he's so funny. I, I like it too, but you know the thing is, he was such, he always was a turnoff to me in Impact. He was a turnoff to me for the, his first year. In NXT, he sort of won me over with the Halloween Havoc thing that his his idiot gimmick worked in that context. Of course, zombies, and that's when zombies worked, in, you know, for me in the wrestling context, Steve. So not just anti-zombie, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit tired, but, you know, I also, I mean, this is me being me again, but I think it's troublesome that Ted DiBiase at about 6'5", just towers above most of the NXT wrestlers today. And, you know, I could see him beating up Cameron Grimes, and that, that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, it should not be the case. It's, it's, yeah. And I don't get – I mean, I think it progresses the storyline of having Jake Atlas beat Cameron Grimes and, like, adding this kind of fire into whatever this ongoing storyline between him and DiBiase is – but I don't know. I just I I'm a bigger fan of Cameron Grimes that I don't want to see this guy lose. But he's a lovable loser, I guess. I certainly don't want to see Jake Atlas win. And sorry, Thank I you. hear he's a really nice guy. But as far as a wrestler is concerned, I, I think that he's you know pretty pretty typical. Um, you know that doesn't mean he's not bad. I think he's a pretty typical wrestler. I mean, most of them are athletic these days. I think as far as charisma is concerned, he doesn't have much. And as far as character is concerned, he has no character. So, you know, why should I be interested? He seems like, you know, he would be from WWE, well, WWF superstars that he'd be, you know, the jobber every week that lost to, I don't know, whatever, the, the Matador or, you know, Doink or Repo Man. Doink is a good, good, good. Thank you for bringing him up. So you buy a wrestling clown before you buy a wrestling dinosaur. I mean, wrestling. Sorry, a wrestling. A wrestling zombie. 
it's not a wrestling zombie. It was zombies from a movie, which is supposed to be fake, coming onto the wrestling set. Jeff, they were they were wrestling. They were zombie lumberjacks. That means I'm okay zombies. with I'm okay with wrestling zombies. The Undertaker and Abaddon. I'm I'm fine with both of those characters. Um, it's not the same. I, I don't care. What, you can say it all you want. Nobody agrees with you. Everybody everybody knows that you're wrong. The listeners know you're I'm, wrong. I'm on a higher intelligence level than everybody is is out there that's the plain and simple like uh, come on they're they're wrestling zombies because they're next to a wrestling ring hello if <laughs> if if they were wrestling if 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 you and i jeff mm-hmm. were asked to be lumberjacks for uh-huh. a wrestling match uh-huh then we would be wrestlers okay well back to the original question yeah i'm, I'm all about evil clowns and clown wrestlers i think that's fine was he really though an evil clown? Like he was a diabol. I guess he was diabolical. He wasn't really evil. And I and I think they should actually bring back the doing character or an evil clown like a Pennywise from it something Joker. Oh, that would be absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think that that would be great for Bronson Reed because then you'd cover up his face with that makeup. You know what's fine. I'm okay with that. And I'm okay floppy- with Bronson Reed being an evil clown and actually make it a faction. All three of them. Why choose? Have a faction There's, of three gonna- evil clowns. I'm going to tweet that to Vince McMahon. You should, because I know that you have a close personal relationship with I'm him. going to write, tweet Vince. Do you VKM. want me to continue um, the NXT review while you're writing this down? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so the Wayettes are having a spa day, and it turns out that they're talking badly about Dexter Loomis. Um, Indy's saying, oh, I'm so glad that he's gone. I hated him. He was stupid. I believe you, Candace. And then it turns out that Dexter Loomis was her spa technician. Later on, uh, Candace's credit card was declined in a particularly dumb segment where apparently it was declined because no one ever play, paid for flowers. That's the only reason her card was declined. And, of course, they told the spa technician or the spa receptionist that or whatever you want to call them. And Indy put it together that Candace is the one who sent the flowers to Shotzi and Ember, not Dexter Loomis. But she takes this as, as good news because it means Dexter still loves her. And so she's trial, you know, uh, skipping away going, he still loves me. He still loves me. Yay. Yay. Were you about to call her a trollop? I was saying trollop in a way, but it, <laughs> it was, it's the wrong word. I mean, it, it, if it was some sort of Freudian slip, I guess, I guess it caught me, but I really didn't intend that. She's, she's, it's only one man that she's after. So. Oh, no, it, it was it was not it was not the word that I intended to use. Um, I just didn't have a I just couldn't think of a better word, and I caught myself. And thanks for you know throwing me under the bus, there, big guy, Mister Zombie Hater or Zombie Lover. I'm not exactly sure what your position is on this. Um, <laughs> Neither so do we I. Had, they did a, a cross fin recap, and normally I don't really care about recaps, but they did give it a big fight feel by having interviews, including. WWE, but also UFC commentator Jimmy Smith speak on speak on it, and they had Pat McAfee do a, a segment. So they really sold it like a big fight. That was pretty. Jimmy good. Smith from NYPD Blue. No, Jimmy Smith, uh, not the former wide receiver from the Jacksonville Jaguars either. Um, he's he's um he's a he's a UFC and, and sometimes WWE commentator. I've seen him on some of the pre shows and some you know other shows from time to time. They then, then did another sports-based interview with Arash Makazi, who apparently, he's the one who did the interview with um, Adam Cole. So apparently WWE has some relationship with, I think it's Sports Illustrated. I'm not 100% on that, that he'll be doing interviews. But he did it with Pete Dunne. And the more Pete Dunne speaks, the more boring he gets. I just, I, 
I, I can't tell you how little interest I have in Pete Dunn. He was great with um, Matt Riddle. Riddle and the Brewers are weights. And I liked him for a bit with, you know, when it was the brand and McAfee was leading that faction. But that's really been it. I I don't know, something about him. Does it bother does it bother you that RKO or sorry RK Bro is practically the same gimmick as Dunn and Riddle? No, the Broser weights? No, because it, it worked. So why not? I mean, you know, Riddle got a raise and he's on the main roster. Good for him. So I like I like it here too. I like it was better with the RK with the Broser weights, but you know, maybe they'll get there. It, it's it's had its moments. I I've enjoyed parts of it. Like whenever Riddle now he zips his own lips and gives Randy the imaginary key. <laughs> that that works for me every time. I'm waiting for Randy to break. Well, yeah, he's he's going to eventually, but hopefully it'll be a slow burn. Hopefully it's not going to be like in three weeks because WWE likes to shoot their load and make it a SummerSlam match. But if they do that, hopefully Riddle will go over and Randy can finally take some time off because that's what a 40-year-old should do. They should let the young guy go over. Um, Imperium, we already sort of killed this lead, but um, uh, Imperium lost their match to Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. Uh, and then for whatever reason, they put Alexander Wolf, you know, in his lead position with their salute or their standard attention um, pose. And uh, it's, I, I think, you know, I got this wrong. Okay. Alexander Wolf was facing Killian Dane, and Dane got a, a pretty easy win. And then Imperium went into their pose where Martell and Eichner are a little bit behind Alexander Wolf. That's the, I think usually they don't stand in a line when it's just the three of them. I think they usually do. They usually are like a half a step behind him. Um, anyway, they attacked him from behind and they dragged him out and that's how they're writing him off TV. So there you go. It's not going to be a pseudo sanity uh, reunion. Alexander Wolf has been, because that's what I thought it was going to be. It was going to be Dane and Wolf would reunite with sort of Drake, you know, on the sideline. And then we'd get the three of them against Imperium and sort of be, you know, Drake against Walter. How can they possibly win? And, you know, you'd have that story, but no, we're not getting any of that. And I'm okay with it. Um, we have Raquel and Dakota giving a promo about how they're going to try to get the tag team belts also. And Everize basically interrupts them and nobody knows who Everize is. Nobody knows about their show. And Raquel slaps Buddy and knocks him down. Apparently his name is Buddy. I didn't know that until now, but I like how they're making fun of Everize. And I'm sort of starting <laughs> to like them having the self-deprecating, being in on this self-deprecating humor thing. Is it is it Buddy Ever or Buddy Rise? Jackson. Wait, what? Jackson. Those are the young bucks. They just they just drive up the double duty. That I'm pretty sure I'm sure Buddy is Matt Jackson. But that's not accurate because the the Jackson twins, uh, the young bucks, are uh, balding, and that's why they wear headbands now. Listen, um, if, if 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 he put his headband on, you'd recognize him. It's just he looks different. It's like Clark Kent. This. This is true. Or Seth Rogen, right? Who? Um, Seth Rogen just shaved his beard and took off the glasses, and now he looks like a completely different guy. Um, I know Seth Rollins. Oh, Jesus. Um, you'd know Seth Rogen if he was a zombie. I know. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> you're not going to one-up me. <laughs> no. no, you already said that you're the smartest and most influential person there you ever. Go. You're, on a, you're on an entirely different plane. It's, if Seth Rogen was standing next to a wrestling ring, what would he be? A wrestler. Thank you. There you go. See, we're learning. We're learning on this show. Yeah, that's good. 
So Legato and, and Ciampa and Thatcher, uh, Mendoza does a dive outside and he pretty much missed everything but the floor. Apparently that was planned, um, but it, it looked a little bit scary. But when they did in slow motion, you saw that he sort of caught, caught his arm on the post. And I guess it was supposed to be a shoulder went into it, but he really sold the hell out of it. Anyway, the grizzled young veterans attack Ciampa when he's about to put on the widow's bell. No one sees it. Legato steals the win. So there you go. Um, I want to just make a public call for all grizzled young veterans fans to send emails to us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com because I don't know not one grizzled young veterans fan. Wow. Between the dancing and this, I am sure that I'm glad you handled the social media, not me. (laughs) I don't know one fan. If you're a fan of the grizzled young vets, please stand up. I need to hear your voice. I'm pretty sure we're going to get zero emails. Okay. Well, I'm sure we can come up with something every week to match that. <laughs> up. Bobby Fish comes out and basically says he has nothing to do with Kyle O'Reilly. He's here about Pete Dunn and Oni Lorcan, and he calls out Pete Dunn. Wow, that is just an exciting match. Everybody is crying for Pete Dunn versus Bobby Fish. Holy, holy moly. So we get Sarai versus Alaya. Guess who won? Um, I will say this, this was by far Soraya's best outing so far. It was the most impressive match. She won easily, and Robert Stone was pimpalicious. He, he had the best outfit of the week. Yeah, so Robert Stone wins best outfit of the week, but uh, your Robert Stone brand continues to be a joke. Shotzi and Ember remind us that they're still chasing the women's titles, and Dakota and um, Raquel shouldn't be counting their chickens about that. They should pay attention to their, their one title. Hit Row comes out. It's no longer Ashante Adonis. It's Ashante the Adonis. And Top Dollar comes out versus Nisan Davari from 205 Live. And they say they're sort of like the OGs of 205 Live. Wow. Um, they say, top, well, Stu Bennett, Wade Barrett, says the Top Dollar does 800-pound squats, which is pretty impressive. This top Dollar is a big guy, but he doesn't look like a particularly muscular guy. But that, that he's a dude that looks like DJ Khaled, right? He's the big dude. Yeah, but he he's he's deceptively big. Uh, he does look like an offensive lineman when he takes off all the the gear jackets. Anyway, he did a, he did a double slam on both Nice and Devar. He had one like a Samoan drop on the back, and one like a front Samoan drop, and dropped them both. Like so, one was a Samoan drop, and the other was almost like the Scott Hall uh, fadeaway slam. So that was pretty impressive. It was a squash win, and and that was good. I still wish that they did that promo to a rap song, sort of like the Rapper's Delight or, or Straight Outta Compton, where they all introduce themselves to music. But you mean you want to see them be more like the Acclaimed? No, I, I want to see them be them, but that, that would have fit there. And we already talked about the North American title match. That That's that's your NXT, brother. I mean, that, that takes us there. I know. Why, what ratings? They pulled in 700,000. That's up, right? It's up by 3,000, so marginally. So they're trending up while the, the next guys, they're, they're trending up. They're not trending up. anything. They, they're trending up. They went down one week and they went up 3,000. That's that's not trending. It's trending up. up. It's, it's trending up. Okay. If that was my waistline, it'd be trending up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, AW, on the other hand, is trending down. So they are. That is they true. went from, from 1.2 to. One to now, what was it? Eight hundred. 
they, they went to 1.24, where at some segments they cross 1.3, to 1.09, to uh, 9, I think it was 9.36, now to 8.43. So both shows are back to their pre being a, you know, their pre non-oppose stage. NXT is sort of right where their average was. AEW has fallen from their high back to sort of maybe on the high end of their middling average, but they're both back to, you know, when they were facing each other. So it just goes to show that there, you know, weren't fans that watch both. So where are those fans who used to say, oh, it's just so great on Tuesday night or Wednesday nights, 1.5 million people are watching wrestling. I'm sure all of them in their hearts believe that on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights, now 1.5 million people would still be watching wrestling. No, it's still a total of 1.5 million people over two different nights. Um, so, and I expect that those numbers will sort of stay similar. Now we do have a big title match on NXT next week. So maybe that'll pump things up a little bit. Who knows? Uh, AW, it's a go home show, but it's going to be on a different time slot. It's going to be on Friday. So who knows what, what that's going to do to it. So next week should probably be a bit anomalous. Um, Though in the past, when they've moved time slots, the, the fans have followed it, and that's just because the AEW fans follow AEW. So, but yeah, definitely trending down. I, I, I disagree with your character characterization that NXT is trending up, but we'll see. Trending up. Mark you know who's trending down? Impact. Last week, their numbers finally came out for last Thursday. They went from 120 to 123, now to 111. So last night's impact, today is the 20th, so the 19th. That I haven't been able to find those yet because there's still some problems with show buzz, and that's where everybody gets it from. Um, so I don't know what those numbers are yet, but last week, 111, which was down 12,000, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when your total was 123 and you were doing 150. Um, so about, what is that, 10%? Yeah, more actually Yeesh. yeah um or exactly i have no idea about anything under under siege i did watch it it was not a good show i mean it, it really it it did not it it almost put me to sleep i mean did I'm, steven I'm, seagal show up he did not oh very disappointing how you gonna call yourself under siege and not have steven seagal on yeah or tommy lee jones <laughs> i forgot that he was in that is he in the movie I did too. I, I, I thought it was the guy who played Bishop from Alien. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was him. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's he's always on Facebook doing you know COVID vaccine commercials. <laughs> I think his name is like Lance Henriksen or something. Uh, so in my mind, I replaced it. So when I saw Under Siege again more recently, I'm like that's Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> wow. I just remember Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive. Oh yeah. In the title, I don't care. Yeah, no, the, the Fugitive is a great movie. I mean, that's one of his all-time great roles. He won an Oscar for that movie. Well done. He should have. He's, su I mean. he's such he's so so great in that that uh I I remember like as as like a teenager being so enamored with his character that I bought a trench coat because he wore a trench coat in that movie. I was like, I need to look like him. Yeah, if, you, if people want to hear a great true Tommy Lee Jones story, listen to episode episode thirty five of Garden of Doom, where I interview Hollywood big shot Mark Hammer, who tells a Tommy Lee Jones story about how when he booked him travel and said, "Tommy, we're flying you out there," and Tommy Lee Jones says, "No, you're not." <laughs> what do you mean, sir? If you were flying me out, that would make me a subject pronoun instead of a, you, you did some sort of old you know 
Harvard, you know, blue perfect grammar lesson. He's he's basically fucking with my friend, basically. Holy shit! What but a he, smart he, guy. But he is that he is that smart. He should be. He should host uh, um, Jeopardy. That'd be great. Except I think he's pretty close to eighty. Wasn't Alex Trebek though? Not when he started. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure he was like seventeen when he started. <laughs> Alex Trebek is like the face of Jeopardy. I mean, Alex Trebek, Alex Trebek, when he was born, was just a mustache. The rest of the body formed around him. Yeah, probably, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. It's all fact. Um, do you want to talk about AEW, their, their TV moving situation, uh, the elite fighting, drunk texts? I mean, just just dynamite i mean there's so much i don't even know where to begin and and you're really better at leading than i am i want to say that the aw show itself dynamite was pretty lackluster with the exception of max caster's rap so i disagree i i i mean i think it was lacking a lot of the bells and whistles and crash tv but as far as a cohesive wrestling show i thought it was their most cohesive wrestling show with the least amount of crash tv in a while and i found that to be refreshing I just felt there was a lot of like promos that just really weren't going anywhere. Like, huh? I was just like, oh, another promo. Like, what are we doing here? There were a lot of promos. I mean, I will agree with that, but I mean, I just appreciate that there were. That, that it didn't seem like they were trying so hard to to make everything nonsense to make everything with a hundred people and everyone going crash bang boom. I mean, they still did some of it, but I don't know. I, I thought it was one of their more cohesive shows. I guess let's start with the review quickly. Just run through it. I don't want to go kind of bell for bell. Let's start with the acclaimed versus Moxley and um, pack of Newports, Eddie Kingston. Um, <laughs> Ma- uh, if you didn't watch it, make sure to pull this clip on YouTube or Twitter or wherever you can find it. Um, the intro, Max Caster usually does a rap and he. I can't do it justice, so I'm not even going to try. But he did a rap where he kind of puts down or uses Mo- um, Moxley's wife, Renee, and uh, makes a sexual innuendo about her and her podcast. And it was pretty funny. Oral sessions. That's right. And then <laughs> then um, he gets <laughs> Moxley pops him in the face. That I'll, 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 give you the, I'll give you this one, Moxley. You popped me here. Yeah. No, this was good. I even liked the, the Moxley and Kingston promo there because they were acting like they didn't know who the acclaim were. Who are they? One's a rapper. A rapper, great. Who's the other one? I don't know. His friend. Okay, great. And then it's like, is this a super kick party? Do you do super kicks? I don't do super kicks. Do you need to do super kicks to go do a super kick? So but, lame. But yeah, then, no, I thought it was all right. And then the acclaim, they were pissed that they were being overlooked. They're higher ranked. It was fine. The match was okay. Uh, Moxley apparently is still coming into Wild Thing, but this was not the Trogs version. This was the 1980s version by X, which sounds a lot like Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there was a wheelbarrow paradigm shift, and Moxley and Kingston won, as if there was ever a doubt. Uh, it was later and announced. Now- yeah, they're no. going to have they're going to have a title match against the Young Bucks, a double or nothing, as if there was ever a surprise. But they did play it off that Kingston's ankle was re-injured, and I have a feeling that that's going to play a very big role in the match on, what is it, Saturday night? I think so, yes. Yeah. Saturday or Sunday? Not yes, sure. Um, 
you know, that leads us to uh, the Dax Harwood thing in the tweet, right? So, you know, he, uh, if you haven't heard already, Dax Harwood was uh, upset that, I guess, Moxley and Kingston apparently now get a title shot. And meanwhile, FTR is still putzing around with the pinnacle and the inner circle. And he tweeted something to the effect of, I'm quitting wrestling. And a lot of people were like, oh, no, please don't. I actually tweeted him and said, please do. No one's going <laughs> to miss you. Um, <laughs> please come back as a zombie. No one will miss you. Right. And, and he then came back and said, oh, thank you for all your consideration and care. Um, I don't really mean that. I was joking Somehow, I think uh, somewhere along the line, he said that he was drunk tweeting or whatever. Don't take him seriously or joking or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, Obviously, he's feeling a certain way because they they don't have green gold titles, right? You know what? He's an idiot. And and the reason, first of all, when people drunk tweet or drunk say something, that's their truth. It's just it's just their truth that they have good enough sense not to say when they're sober because they have a filter. The other thing right. is, remember when they left WWE, they comp- they said, it's not about titles. We don't care about titles. We just wanted the, them to focus on tag team wrestling because they were, they were being paired with Randy Orton and sometimes they were with Shane McMahon, but they were in stories. Um, and so they said it wasn't about titles. Well, they're, they're with the pinnacle, which is a main story on AEW. They've always mm-hmm. been you know, with some absences, a main focus, either in the the tag team title picture, uh, you know, or in this pinnacle, you know, the big heel faction, you know, up there with the evil elite. So, you know, it is about titles, isn't it, Dax? I mean, I think these guys really do believe that they are the best tag team ever, but they know the only way they can prove it is by the time they retire, that they are like 20-time tag team champions of major promotions. Yes, and I think that was his tweet, and that was his—I'm sorry—that was his truth. And I think that he was full of shit in WWE, and I think he's full of shit now. And that's it. I mean, he's in a good spot. He should shut the hell up. I think this is going to be the episode where you and I disagree the most because I—I I honestly think he's got a point here. Like, FTR is one of the best tag teams in the industry, and they are not in the top five, or maybe they are in the top five, but they're not really taken seriously. Like they're not in, in any type of contention for gold. Not anytime soon. They're heels bucks are heels. You need them to be on faces. Although then again, AW just does whatever they want. And then, you know, the AW fans just lap it all up. So I guess they could have heel versus heel match and, and people will be down for it. But in the trajectory that they're in, you tell me if I'm wrong, Jeff, it looks like if they're having this inner circle beef with a pinnacle, isn't them putting over LAX next? I don't know. I have a better question for you, Steve. Which one is Dax? Uh, that's obvious. It's uh, the white one. Okay. And which one was Dax in the revival? Uh, the white one. Okay. So you don't know which one he is, and you never did know which one he is. And like me, you agree that like Imperium, the grizzled young veterans, Thatcher and Champa, FTR, and any number of other t- tag teams, 
just throw them into one of those bingo jumble uh, things. Pull out any two and put them together, and you can call them whatever team. Yeah, FTR is a good tag team, but they're not—they're not—they're not like heads and tails above any, everyone else. They're very smooth. They're very crisp. They're very professional, but they're not the Steiners. They're not the Dudley Boys. They're not the Road Warriors. They're not like an epic team. I mean, they—they're sort of a modern version of Tully and Arn, which were basically the, the blue-collar tag team until they were horsemen, and then they became white-collar, you know, tough guy tag team, like sort of maybe you know, like in a almost like the 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 rich jocks that went to the, got graduated to the country club, but were, mm-hmm. could still kick ass. But uh, you know, this is fine. They 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 have a job. They're they're being well paid. They have a lot of freedom. Um, and so this is about them with props. And if this is what they're whining about, then, you know, then they're whiners and they're always going to be whiners and they're stupid whiners who whine. Correct me if I'm wrong. Who Tully, drink and Arn, Tully and Arn don't didn't like always carry the tag titles around, right? Not always. No, they, I mean, they had it plenty, but not always. Because I don't, re- I, I recall them being champions both in WCW and WWE, but I don't recall them always having the titles like a Ric Flair, a Charlotte Flair. I don't recall them like always being like Road Warriors. I don't recall them always being the champions or they were always the champions. I mean, or even being in the championship picture. I don't recall that either. I mean, they were always sort of around it, but there was also there was also the Midnight Express. There was the Rock and Roll Express. You had the Hollywood Blondes for a while. You had, uh, you know, Arn and Zabisco were tag team for a while. They had, you know, Sting with various partners, Sting Luger. You had Dusty with Nikita. You had Dusty with uh, Manny Fernandez. Uh, I mean, you had you had Gordy and and um, Doctor Death. So they had a lot of stuff, but they, they were. They were always in the picture, but I wouldn't say that they were any more or less in the picture than, say, FTR is right now. I don't think that well, anybody would be surprised if they weren't a, you know, they didn't get a rematch after this business was over. I think you, uh, but yeah, but that, I think that's my point is, you know, they're kind of already booked in that fashion. Like when you think of FTR, you think the revival, like you buy them as one of the top legit, like they're branded as one of the best tag teams in the world. They don't need the gold. Like we've had this conversation on the show before. where like some talent need the gold to get over. Some talent need to have the gold to put over the gold, like make it mean something. But yeah, I don't doesn't need the gold. No, that's what I'm saying. They're in the pinnacle right now. They're, they're in like a top heel faction, which has, which just formed. So it's got a, it's got, a year worth of legs, maybe longer if they play it right. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the complaint unless they're just selfish. So where are we disagreeing? Oh, that's right. We were supposed to be disagreeing, right? Yeah. Have you been drinking wine also? Maybe I have been drinking wine. I've been drinking a lot of port cherry. Um, wow. <laughs> where's um? They should have the uh, the championships, is what do, I'm do saying. You know where? Do you know where port is from? The, that's right, but by the sea, by the port. <laughs> Portugal. Oh, really? Yeah, port comes from Portugal. Others are just dessert wines. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Are you, you, say, you happen to be a wine connoisseur. I'm a connoisseur of life. 
weren't you weren't you able to tell us uh, where where the they filmed uh one of the the pinnacle dinner weren't you like saying that was in yeah. morton's in chicago yeah, that, that, no no it's morton's of chicago it was certainly in jacksonville but the restaurant chain is morton's of chicago i recognize the decor i recognize the steak knives and i recognize the onion loaf bread immediately and the black napkin you. you're so classy yeah i am you're a classy guy i have a morton's card somewhere it's actually Landry Steakhouse. Okay, so that's the that's the actual corporate name. Mm-hmm. Do they do when you walk in, do they call you like Jeff or Mister Mister Evil Dose? No, because they haven't seen me in years. But for a while, yeah, <laughs> they knew me. I I, I had a I had a uh, like I had like a half wine locker there. Oh, look at you! All yeah, right. they had they had a like a wine show there where there was wine tasting and and places were selling, and I was. One of the I was there at their first one, and I was the first one to buy any wine. So I got a you know they gave me a half a locker. Well, they didn't give it to me, but it was, it was I got a discount. Would I be out of line calling you a wino? Not then. I mean, <laughs> I, but I, I was but I was equally in, into scotches and and whiskey. So a functional alcoholic probably would have been more fair. We're we're learning so much about each other. Yeah, really about you. Yeah. Yeah, Lonnie Poffo and Wino. Mm-hmm. Take that, Lonnie Poffo. Take that. <laughs> Actually, I bet I bet he knows his wines very well. I bet, I bet we would get along well on the wines. He and you I. Probably, you probably would. Yeah. Two drunks. Two. I was gonna say two connoisseurs, but oh you know. yeah, connoisseurs. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> um. Let's see what else happened on AEW. Um, Red Velvet in action. I can give a quick run through. Good Christian against Matt Seidel. Of course, he's outworking everyone anywhere. We had a busted lip, so we had blood in the first match. Kill switch for the win. Uh, Matt Seidel went way too long on this match, but Christian won. Uh, Taz talks some smack from commentary. Starks comes out. You know, he's injured. He's out for a few weeks with a busted neck but he came out in, in a suit with no shirt and was talking smack. It's a little bit dumb, but no hashtag fire Taz this week. This team Taz came from behind and attacked both Christian and Seidel. Grown, we're going to get a tag team match about that inevitably, you know, next week or in two weeks. Um, Adam Page comes out for the rescue, but he did something pretty fast, funny, because he had a drink and he goes to uh, Starks, hold my drink, and Starks does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Starks is just there standing stupidly and, and impotently. Of course, he's injured, but it just looked dumb that he was just standing there because the faces were holding their own for a while, and, and Paige was getting over until the heels eventually stood tall because two of the guys were beaten down already from their, their match, et cetera, and the heels stood tall. So that, that was a little bit awkward, but no hashtag fire Taz, and it looks like the breakup of Team Taz has been put on hold for due to Starks's injury or other reasons. The Varsity Blondes cut a promo and, you know, Brian Pillman basically said, you know, I, I'm not getting this attention because of Dark Side of the Ring. In fact, I, I'm not in the wrestling business because of Dark Side of the Ring. I stayed out of the wrestling business because I only saw the Dark Side of the Ring, which was a pretty good promo. And then they pointed out how they were the number one ranked team, but nobody knows because all their wins come on Dark and Elevation. Um, but they had a third person named Julia Hart with them. So I don't know who she is. I don't know where she came from. She apparently is not from the, the Stu Hart dungeon or the Hart family. So, I, I, you know, it's like all of a sudden they just have this like girl here and, and, and she is a girl. Apparently she's 19. Okay. Woman. But um, I don't know. It was, that was all very weird. 
um, there was a segment of Marvez interviewing Jericho and Jericho was talking to Dean Malenko and there was something that was a little bit sad and something that was funny here. So Dean Malenko was visibly shaking because he has Parkinson's and that was a little bit sad to see. I mean, I'm glad mm. he's on camera and not hiding it. Um, but there was a comment where, uh, you know, Jericho said to Marvez, basically, I'm not talking to you and you don't want to make the man of a thousand holds mad. And, and Dean Malenko said, well, you know more than me or you 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 have four up on me. And Jericho says, I forgot a few, which I thought was a, a funny exchange. Um, Tony Schiavone is interviewing Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. And basically, they're rerunning the same story that Ricky Stark and Brian Cage did with Sting. Sting, you're not the same man anymore. Step aside or we're going to put you down. Uh, Ethan's like, I destroy you, Darby. The lights go out. Sting comes comes into the ring. They're frozen. Darby from behind with the skateboard. Blah, blah, blah. Sting puts the Scorpion Deathlock on uh, Scorpio Sky, which, uh, you know, Scorpio, Scorpion, okay. Um, Ethan Page is, you know, being knocked out by the the skateboard. They The heels try to run away, and both tunnels are blocked by three members of the Dark Order. So they're still feuding with Darby and Sting and the Dark Order on their side. And so they run out the back, back way of the uh, amphitheater. Um, we then saw the pinnacle. At dinner, at Morton's, I typed here, onion bread. Spears is a loose cannon, so they're trying to get Spears as as over as sort of their, their crazy guy. He knocks out the referee for, not the referee, the waiter, for not giving him his drink quick enough. And Tully Blanchard throws the waiter like a wad of money saying this should take care of it. Okay, this was fine. It was a promo saying, inner circle, we're not afraid of you. Of course, we accept your, your offer and you know we're going to beat you and you're going to have to disband forever. We had Britt Baker wearing a Gucci belt. Uh, she's accompanying Rebel, not Reba, who's facing Sheeta for the women's title. This makes a lot of sense. So what do you think is going to happen? There, of course, is a crutch shot. Not a crotch shot, but a crutch shot from Reba. But Sheeta kicks out anyway. And she puts the stretch muffler on Reba, who taps out almost immediately. And Baker attacks her from behind and does a curb stomp to Sheeta's face on the title belt, which I thought was actually a pretty good visual. So even though the match was predictable and it was silly and baby face stupidity syndrome was in full effect, I thought this was a, an effective end of the segment. Is is that the 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 name of the move? The stretched muffler? Stretched muff? <laughs> I think they call the, the muffler stretch. Yeah. The muff stretch. That's not Sheeta's name. Muffler stretch, but okay. But, yeah. I Listen, know. Every once in a while. I get it. Yep. I get it. Good to have your muff stretched. I get it. I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to talk about you and your 92 kids. So there you go. Um, so Omega and Don Callis, they go into the training room where they see OC being worked on. You know, the story last week is he got knocked out and he was, le- you know, legit knocked out. It turns out not to be serious, but they're working on him. The, the other best friends are in there and the, you know, basically the elite tell them, get out, get the hell out. Um, and Omega says, hey, listen, I'm talking to you as an EVP now, not not as your competitor, not That's as a wrestler. We need to protect our talent and you're, you're going to be a great mascot of the company. So we just need you to protect yourself. They gave him a release so that he would not go in the ring and sign a release for that. I don't know why he needs to sign a release to not be in a match, but okay. 
He rips it up very slowly. He's about to rip it up, you know, both horizontally and vertically. And, and Callus goes, we, we get the picture. And he's like, we brought another copy. We felt you might do this. So just think about it and, you know, sign it and do the right thing. Um, we then get the inner circle. This was taped the week prior, so Santana still wasn't there because of sickness. Uh, they accept the stadium stampede challenge where they will, if they lose, they have to dissolve. Jade Cargill appears. She is, you know, she's not really interested in the manager. She's not going to work for anyone. She's her own woman. And then that guy who played Moxley's lawyer at some point or someone's lawyer early on uh, who Moxley beat up way back when, He's been trying to uh, recruit her, and he said, "Listen, these other managers—they, you know, one of them already represents a female. There's a conflict of interest. They want you to work for them. I don't want you to work for me. I want to work for you." So this is looking frightening. Like this guy is going to be an on-air character, which I—I I don't get. I don't care about that at all. Um, but anyway, that was that. We then got Red Velvet versus Serena D for the NWA title. Um, this was actually a pretty good match. Um, I think people actually thought Red Velvet was going to win because they actually believe that there's a real partnership with NWA and AEW. There isn't. Red Velvet didn't win. Uh, Serena Deeb had to lock in the Serenity lock twice, but she retained. Uh, I, I'm really not sure who is heel here. Nobody really seemed to be a heel. There was then a pretty lousy pack promo saying he's going to win and nobody should bet against the bastard. And he's angry. He's tired of being overlooked. I'm sure I said that in reverse order. Nobody cares. Um, Do you think people overlook him because he's like five foot tall? <laughs> I think they overlook him because when he signed with the company, he was about the 10th guy signed and, and he was going to be featured. And since they've, they've signed 195 other people and they all know what to do with anybody. Um, the next match is Austin Gunn versus Anthony Agogo. They have since announced that Austin Gunn is injured and out eight to 10 weeks. I don't know if that's true or if that's part of storyline. I think it's part of storyline. In any event, Austin Gunn is accompanied by Cody and Arn only. Agogo is accompanied by the entire factory. They point out that, that Anthony Agogo is blind in his left eye, and that's why he had to stop boxing. He's like 78% blind in, in his left eye. I don't know why they would have mentioned it per se. It didn't seem to make any sense. I don't know how that helps things unless Cody's going to try to blind the guy in a match. And, and I think that's where it's going. I think that's where he's going to just, I don't know. I still think that Cody's going to be the heel in this match and he's going to do some heel bullshit. Cause he has been the heel for a year and a half, but he's still the face. He's fighting for America. The other guy's fighting for Britain. How can you be, how can he be the, how can he be the heel? Because I mean, you listen to Agogo's reasoning, and it makes sense. Like Agogo didn't do anything wrong; he wasn't coming after America. But now, apparently, he is, which is some lame two weeks out bullshit booking. But everybody buys into it. I think I think um, Cody's gonna do some nefarious bullshit to take advantage of his, you know, blind spot. No pun intended. Uh, it, it's entirely possible. Um, Anyway, this, this was a glorified um, squash. squash. Ogogo did a gut punch to Gun. He was down and out. Um, they took a little bit of time for there to for someone to swallow a blood capsule, and so the yeah, governor. Yeah, so I, I guess it was supposed to be internal bleeding from Austin Gun, but it, but because some of it splattered on Ogogo, it wasn't entirely clear who was supposed to be bleeding at first. Anyway, it is he does a second gut punch this time to the other side of his gut. Um, and then he did a like a like a, almost like a pop up power bomb, but as a pop up 
um, punch, and then the ref calls a TKO, and a, a Gogo looks like he's going for the American flag to like spit on it or wipe the sweat on it, and Cody grabs it back, and a Gogo grabs the uh, Union Jack. So I'm I'm still sure that just like I said during the watch along live, this is heading for it should head for a um, flag versus flag match, and I still think that's a possible last second stipulation. Of course, as I said before, knowing Cody, it was probably something stupid that doesn't work for him, like a tape fix match. We then get the former SCU doing a promo together. Daniels just whispers something and walks away. And Kazarian says, this man, you know, you don't know how important he is to me and to everyone. And he's earned the right to call his own shots. And basically, Kazarian blame, doesn't blame anyone except the elite. And he's going to hunt them all. And that's the gospel according to Kazarian, to which I go, Ooh. So Kazarian is now going to be in a main storyline, hunting the elite. Like, does anyone want to see Kazarian in this in, in this role anywhere near the main event picture going after the elite? Nope. Exactly. So this is AEW being dopey. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I didn't. I don't even understand why we were going mean, to fill airtime with this nonsense. Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Mirror out to do a, uh, a promo. It starts out a little rough. He's talking about Darby, which surely doesn't make any sense because we already knew <laughs> his next calendar is. But he recovers. Hold up. Hold up. You, you yeah. glossed over what he really said at the okay. beginning of this promo was he needed to th- he needed to thank Jesus Christ. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. For, for I guess, he needed to thank him twice for get, you know getting him the belt. So is this just like his nod to like comparing Tony Khan to Jesus Christ? Like what, what is going on here? I don't understand. I didn't even know that he was like this so spiritual who knew. Well, I knew because he met because Lana was in Russia because her father was a missionary. So they met through through a Christian group. Yeah. Um, but he, he thanked Jesus Christ the second time for giving him so much strength that he could destroy all of his enemies so he could crush them, you know, which is not very Jesus-like. Oh, shit. Um, this is like the same story of like Bane and Talia al Ghul and Dark Knight Rises, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. They, they copied the Miro Lana story, yeah. Um, but Miro recovers. This was actually a good promo. He's, he's being the killer badass, and he was going to destroy everybody, and he's not worried about Murderhawk because he's a big guy, and he's looking forward to have a big man against big man. We're going to beat the hell out of each other match. But, you know, uh, Murderhawk, I agree with you. You're always saying everybody dies, but with apologies, I insist that you must die first. So, something like that, but it was really good. Archer spoke, which is generally a mistake. Now, when he started, it was okay, but he ended with the, you know, almost the obligatory, You're, I'm going to make you my Bulgarian bitch. So he oh, ended. So lame. Yeah, he ended lamely, but actually for an Archer promo, the rest of it was okay. Anyway, so this match for Saturday, cool. I don't see any way Miro loses the belt this quickly. Um, and I don't know how we don't go into the story with Archer still never being able to win the big one, because uh, that's always been his story, and that was his complaint. Does he turn on Jake and go full on face? I don't know. Does going does turning on a sixty-seven year old man make you a face? I I'm not sure. That seems like more WWE logic. <laughs> um, okay, Young Bucks versus the Varsity Blondes. The titles are on the line. Good match. Um, you know, I think the Varsity Blondes, you know, acquitted themselves very well. The the Bucks used the aerosol spray. Actually, Brandon Cutler used the aerosol spray. Put it in the blonde's face and. 
this Julia Hart as well. And then the uh, the sharpshooter was used on Pillman and Pillman Taps, which is insult sort of using the sharpshooter against somebody who came from the Hart line or the Hart Foundation line. Um, so some inside inside baseball insult there, but this was a pretty good match. Um, and then Moxley and Kingston came out to confront the Bucks. Uh, Callis and Cutler immediately retreated, which doesn't make Callis look very tough, but certainly Cutler, who's supposed to be a wrestler. Um, and they do a double sleeper, and they put both of, of the Bucks to sleep. That's the close. No good brothers. Um, so, you know, who knows where the goof brothers were. And then the faces steal the Bucks Jordans to copy both Nakamura and Ricochet this week in in faces stealing clothing from heels. So that was a little bit weird. Apparently those uh, um, those sneakers are supposed to be worth something like 10000 each, which has to be bullshit. But anyway, <laughs> that was the close of the show. Next week, Dynamite, by the way, is preempted on Wednesdays due to the NBA, and it will be on Friday night instead. I think TNT, and I think it's regular time slot of eight to ten, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Yeah, I again, lots of lackluster episode for me. I when the ratings came out, I was not surprised because just seemed like um like my biggest knock on AEW is like I don't buy Red Velvet being Serena Deeb. I don't see it, and I also don't see the varsity blondes being the young bucks, but a lot of people that I spoke to that are AEW fans buy in. They think that it's a viable option that these guys are going to pull an upset, but I don't because because Brian Pillman just had a dark side of the ring. That's that's just dumb. There's a pay-per-view match built around the young bucks again. I mean, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I mean, I guess fans, you know, they're not supposed to be that bright. <laughs> I don't know about that. Let's talk about this other AEW uh, news. Uh, we've got uh, frustration with New Japan. You have well, any insight? Well, those are two different things, though I suppose it's a little bit related. Um, a story came out that New Japan talent has been very frustrated because of COVID. Now, it's not necessarily New Japan's fault, but they've been quarantined. They've had a lot of shows canceled. They've had to come to wrestling shows, but they couldn't go home because of restrictions. There were shows that were going to go on, but people couldn't travel because they were outside of their area, so they couldn't come into Japan or into that part of Japan because of restrictions. And I just have to wonder if if this frustration coming, I mean, first of all, you never hear that kind of thing out of New Japan talent. And, you know, there's also, we have Will Ospreay who injured himself and had to vacate their top title. Um, Kota Ibushi was injured. And so he dropped his title, you know, shortly thereafter, probably because of the injury. Okada has been wrestling injured for a year. So some of their top guys are injured. Um, and all of these things culminating has led to a lot of frustration. So, I mean, my speculation, and and I'm sure other people are speculating this as well, is will all of this confluence of events, these injuries to top guys, title holders, plus all of the things that happened with COVID, plus being in Japan, which is whether you you know whether you support it or not, a very protective society when it comes to sickness and pandemics, far mm-hmm. more restrictive than than the West was, far more restrictive than the United States. So they see people in the United States 
working and still being on TV and then pay-per-views still going on and things like that. So do you think that people who would have been loyal to New Japan forever, now if they're free agents, if now they will come sign with U.S. promotions just because they're afraid this might happen again and they, they don't want that kind of work stoppage in their life again? Even if it means that they don't have creative control or they're not a top guy or whatever, just for the security. Mm, good question. I don't think so because I feel like, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I can only speak for like, in, in my community, in my, I feel like here in New York, things are opening up and things are changing and things are going back to quote unquote normal. Um, and I feel like that's the way it is in America too. So I don't, I, I if, I can't speak for what I, because I don't know what things are like in Japan. If they are like still in severe lockdown, then yeah, probably. They I can see them. G1. Yeah, but I mean, does that mean like they're going into lockdown for like months? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and these guys didn't didn't work most of the last year. And when they did, people tended to get injured. I don't know if it's because they weren't working, they had time off, or the style, or a combination. I, I mean, I, I can see. I can I, see I it only takes one. It only takes one top free agent to say, I'm making the trip, and then the floodgates open. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would want to think that they're mid-carters. I want to say they could probably say, all right, fine. But, I mean, let's but they, say a guy let's... like Jeff Cobb, who had offers here and said, nah, I want to go work for New Japan. And then he goes to New Japan, and instead of working for a year, he ends up working for three and a half months out of 12 months. And he's got to be saying to himself, shit, I made a mistake. I should have just taken the money with WWE or with, with AEW or work the Indies. A anything would have been better than being here doing nothing most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, in that aspect. Yeah. I think a guy like Jeff Cobb, but I was thinking the reverse. If a, there's like a big, a big name, like an Okada, they're not going to let him go. That's crazy. Well, I, I, it takes two to tango, and he's going to get equal offers monetary-wise, if not more, from a U.S. promotion. If I was him, I'd think about going. And conversely, all these people always say, well, go to Japan, go to Japan, go to New Japan, wrestle there. If you are an American-based wrestler, would you go there knowing if there's another pandemic when every day in the news we hear about variants or brain funguses escaping India or, you know, and things like that? Would, would, you know, are you so sure that this is the last pandemic or this is the end of this pandemic? Like if this is your income on the line, would you would you bank on going to Japan, which has lockdowns? Or would you bank on America that even with a lockdown, you can still work once a week on TV for an entire mm -hmm. year, still do mm -hmm. 12 pay-per-views a year or four pay-per-views and four special events, you know, in AEW. Well, conversely, let me, let me bring up two points to you then. Let me mm -hmm. ask you recently, we heard uh, Daniel Bryan is a free agent, although I still think that's a load of bullshit because they always mention him on Friday nights. Um, do you think a guy like Daniel Bryan would be interested in going to a, uh, to new Japan? No, right? I think he might have been before. I think now, no. I, I don't think Bree would let him, especially if they had a lockdown and he couldn't go home if he was stuck there for two months and wasn't working to boot. 
with two mm-hmm. little kids? Uh, she would say absolutely no. But I think he's smart enough to know that tactically that's a bad move for him, even if he might want to, even if he would love to work a match with Jay White. I mean, I was going to say Okada, but he's hurt. <laughs> I mean, who's going to do Tanahashi? Okay. But, uh, you know, after that, who's left? Osprey's not, is, has a broken neck. Abushi has a, you know, a broken foot. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, so some of the dream matches are gone. Yep. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you was every once in a while, everybody likes to give Nakamura shit for re-upping with WWE. But right about now, he kind of looks like a genius, right? I always thought he was a genius. Smartest man in wrestling. That's why he wears a crown. That's exactly right. Makes a ton of money doing nothing. And surfing. And surfing. He's smart. He's, He's the opposite of Dax doesn't care about the titles. He's getting paid. This is his retirement. His his legacy is sealed. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. All right. And then the last piece of, uh, I guess, AEW-related news is uh, the Elite, all the EVPs apparently not talking to one another. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For it to be mentioned by the people who are mentioned, it it's got to be pretty bad. And, and, you know, whispers of this have been going around for months and months and months. And I don't think that anybody can really be surprised unless, except for the most delusional AEW fan. Um, Cause there's a lot of egos. There's a lot of chefs there. There's a lot of different directions. And when things failed and a lot of things failed, I mean, you know, if, if you thought the Joe C wrestling stuff was stupid, then, you know, that has to be on Omega. If, if you think that, you know, the, the tag teams were being, was being confusing, that has to go on the young bucks. Uh, I'm sure some of them aren't so thrilled with Cody, you know, being Cody at the Treaty of Jacksonville Harbor, that when they got these new shows, which we'll talk about, that the the Treaty of Jacksonville Harbor is it was an attempt to solve that civil war, and they're going to have they're going to divide control over the shows. Like, you know, two of them are going to control Dynamite, and two of them are going to control Rampage. Yeah, I don't know what to believe. Like, I want to. I, I feel like Cody doesn't talk to anybody, and. Omega doesn't talk to anybody, but maybe I'm wrong. I yeah, I don't know what to believe either, but it's juicy and delicious. It is. And it's there's got to be some sort of validity to to part of the rumor, right? Absolutely. There's no way that, that all of the people who reported it, Meltzer, Sean Rossap, others, that, that it isn't loud. I'm surprised that Meltzer reported it because I feel like this guy is always looking to positively spin things for AEW. Like the ratings dropped, um, and he was very quick to be like, "It's because of the NBA, guys. It's Lakers Yeah, it's playoff season, and it's like, all right, buddy. Like, right. But yet, when SmackDown takes a dip, you don't mention the fact that it's March Madness. Nope. Definitely not. Yeah. So AW, despite what Tony Khan said about a month ago, they are moving. Um, they're going to be moving to WTBS in January 2022. And it sounds like all AW weekly programming will be moving to TBS at some point in 2022. At 8.05. Uh, no, no, not 8.05 yet. Um, superstation. But we're getting ever closer. Um, and when I say... All AW programming. That's because the second show that they've been paid for since March of last year. 
is Thunder. Nope. It's Rampage, and it's going to be on TNT Friday nights. It's going to be one hour starting March 13th at 10 p.m. So it's not going to go against SmackDown. It's going to be after SmackDown. Um, so there's a second show called Rampage. There's also going to be four annual specials. I'm not sure, but I don't think they're intended to replace the four uh, pay-per-views. They'll sort of be maybe supplements, sort of like that Blood and Guts show was sort of special maybe how fighter fest and fight for the fallen were billed as specials um uh, the jericho crews I, I think they were bashed at the beaches so maybe those will be tnt specials sort of like uh saturday night's main event used to be mm. uh, way back when but that ha that hasn't been confirmed but four annual specials has been confirmed but so tony Khan said we have a contract and we're going to stay on tnt forever and everyone's thrilled with us now a month later saying this is a great deal for us we're getting money. I've heard reports that they're getting more money. I I, I find that hard to believe. I, I think they've been paid for two shows since last March. If you read the articles from last March, it was said for a second show. They got $15 million a year. I don't see why they would be paid again, but you know, maybe they have. I, I've been wrong before, especially on this. And you know, maybe if they've overperformed, uh, you know, maybe they are getting more, or maybe the more is for those four annual specials. I don't know. I'm sure it'll come out later, but I'm pretty sure if it was a significant payday, it would have been reported and re-reported and re-reported <laughs> and tweeted all over the place. So I, I feel I the truth with the truth with Tony Khan is always an embellishment. I feel like they probably weren't getting they they contractually signed for a second show, but never got paid for the second show. And now, once they start producing the second show, they will start getting paid for the second shows. Therefore. They are making more money for the second show, but all in all, it's still a wash. Like it's still not, not only does that make a lot of sense, logically speaking. It also makes sense with everything I know about show business and television and contracts and law and business contracts. Nobody gets paid for nothing. Nobody gets paid <laughs> eight figures for nothing for a promise of tomorrow, unless you were like the biggest star in Hollywood. Um, so yeah, that, that makes total sense. Uh, one day the truth will come out. I and don't then know. Tony, Tony still, he can't say that he was lying. Yeah, we did get more money. Right. So, cause more, more than one is more, I guess. So there you go. Well, he, so, he didn't say more. He said that it was very favorable financial terms for us. So if they were favorable before he's just didn't change his mind, they're still favorable. Yeah, exactly. His, his um, truth hasn't changed. His truth his, is marching on. Nope. He's he always embellishes the truth. He's always you gotta see the nuances. Um, I want to talk about Rampage, the name. Why couldn't they, you know, be a little more progressive? Why couldn't they come come up with a name that's a little more less violent kind of oriented? I know wrestling is wrestling, but couldn't he just call the show de-escalation, AEW de-escalation, where they just kind of, instead of wrestling, they just talk everything out. But not like in a promo style, just like there's two chairs, maybe we'll have JR as the mediator, and for two hours they just no. talk it out. Not a, not a mediator, this is AEW, it's got to <laughs> be an ombudsman. There you go. Let's have like Tony Schiavone, or, mm -hmm. and let's just, and then they should, or maybe they can even hire an an a host from NPR. Um oh my god, what's the lady that does uh 
not all not all things considered. What is it all things considered? I don't can't remember. She's the she does all the interviews. She does I am the smart one. Thank you. Uh, she does all the shows there. She's uh, Judy Woodruff. Not Judy Woodruff. That's uh you're thinking about uh PBS. Oh. Um I can't remember, but you you know, like NPR has like all those soft spoken you know, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. They always have like the xylophone pleasant music in the background. That's right. It's this is all things considered. You're yeah, listening. And she, and she's on the pop culture happy hour also. It's and time for the pledge drive. It's like, it's like Julia something. Call call us and you'll get a tote bag. Well listen, why don't why Hammerlock don't you, hangover tote bag? Why, why? You you can you can you can Google it right now, or you know use your computer wayback machine and and find out who it is. But yeah, they could they could name it AEW Progress or AEW Forward, you know, so, something like oh, that. That'd be great. And then we a, like AEW uh, Vote Tulsi. I don't I don't know. I mean, oh my god, imagine that. Like they they could take the Dax Harwood t- tweet and be like, so Dax, we see that you sent this tweet. Um, you seem to be frustrated. How are you feeling today? I, I am feeling a little frustrated. Yeah, I want some gold. Wouldn't you want some gold? Everybody wants gold. Does this speak to your inner Klondiker? Do you want to go go mining for gold? Oh, still with the Klondike thing, huh? That's right. Two weeks in a row. That's right. This is great. This is a, this is a new gimmick we've stumbled upon. I don't know, but I will tell you some truths that uh, aren't Tony Khan's, but they are truth truths, and that is that AEW continues to struggle. Um, two hundred and sixty this week, three thirty-three last week, and two weeks ago, two fifty-five. Elevation faring a little bit better, but still trending down. This week, three fifty-one. Last week, three fifty-four. Two weeks ago, which had a, I think a pretty big match on it, but anyway, two weeks ago, four sixty, which. Weeks ago was not, you know, weeks ago we were talking about 800,000, a million for three weeks back. Now it's half that. So there you have it. Um, you know, there yeah, you back to reality. It. Back to reality for, for our friends. Back to life. Back, back to, to reality. reality. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All good. right. Let's, let's talk about a uh, WWE. Um, WWE big news breaking breaking news that everybody is uh, hooting and hollering about Uh, they're going back on tour starting in June June or July 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 July. July 16th through Labor Day big live tour events nothing past Labor Day announced Uh, of Texas yeah Texas well I mean I would start where it's the safest uh, meaning we're going to get crowds (laughs) Well, we don't know if it's the safest. They just no, so safe allow everybody and their mother. And we did learn tonight on SmackDown that Adam Pierce is scouting locations. <laughs> that's right. I like that. I like that nuance that that Sonya dropped. She's like, he. That's why he's making. I'm making the announcement is because he's scouting locations. Um, I I can't. The, I, the minute that I heard that they're going to be touring all of Texas or predominantly all of Texas, first thing that I thought of is. Can't wait for that one episode of Raw that's going to emanate from Corpus Christi because I feel like every episode from Corpus Christi is a shit show. Yes, it is true. And I learned that from the place I used to be at and still listen to. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely is so. Uh, Second only (laughs) to my old haunts, which is the Nassau Coliseum. Oh, that's right. Oh, man, I can't wait till wrestling comes back. I will say, I, I, I guarantee this. 
that even though they're definitely going to go back to live touring, it will never be at the schedule it was before because they were losing money on those on those live shows. Now there may be a pent up demand, and so they may be going full bore during this this uh, eight week period or whatever it ends up being. Um, you know, because there's a lot of demand. But after that, I I bet they you know go back to only live shows, raw SmackDown pay per views, uh, if even if even that much. I agree with you. I think that's. If anywhere that they'd probably do house shows would be in areas where they're really over, let's say in you know Texas or up here in the Northeast, I don't see them. They could easily even for a for a a house show they could sell out Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but it's too expensive. Uh, they they would probably do Barclays, you know. But yeah, I mean New York, Chicago seem like pretty safe bets. Boston, especially if it's be if they're not there every month like they used to be. Uh huh. Uh huh. Absolutely. But we'll see. That that's just my suspicion. Um, I'm not even sure that they'll do house shows in the bigger places. So I think like some place like Barclays is safer. A, it's it's uh, smaller and it's also newer, so it's uh, probably a better venue. But it's it's cheaper to run and it's safer that they'll sell it out. They don't want to be have blackouts again after not being on the road for a year and a half. That would be, you know. A PR nightmare, at least in my view. I, I think that yep. they will try to avoid that, but we'll see. We'll we we'll we'll test it next season. Um, Exciting news! Exciting news! Oh, this runs me back to the releases of NXT. I I forgot to mention this earlier. Do you th- think that you know MLW just signed this big uh, contract with Vice? They're on Vice starting in June, July, June, right? July, July. So do you think that the NXT releases have anything to do? There's this, there was a rumor saying that WWE is helping out MLW. Any way that the releases are to just say, all right, MLW scoop these guys up because they're better suited with you than they are with us. Cause we don't have anything for them at this moment. No, I don't think so. Um, first of all, we haven't heard anything about that MLW thing since. So I'm not sure if that's happening at all. Secondly, there's plenty of people that MLW should could scoop up. I mean, they just had an open draft, and the only name that was announced, I mean, I could Davey have watched Richards. it, but I didn't. No. Uh, 16,000 people watched it as of earlier today. Um, but Davey Richards was their first pickup, who's like 42 and has been out of wrestling for a few years. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, no, I, I don't think that's the case. But if MLW picked up a, a few people, I wouldn't be surprised, but there's no shortage of people out there. Um, so no, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think if there's one thing that we know about WWE, it's going to do what it's going to do. If they want to have a stupid zombie segment at Backlash WrestleMania, they're going to have a stupid zombie segment at Backlash WrestleMania, and they're going to act like it was not a stupid idea. They're just going to, they're just going to keep on rolling. I'm just glad that Adnan Burke was moved to a safe location. I wish he was the one eaten by zombies. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, um, didn't you say it just to tee that up for me? Absolutely. You know it. Um, what about the um, the Raw show? Anything anything worth of note that you want to discuss from Raw? Sure. Smashly was smashing it up with the ladies. Oh, that's right. Hurt Business. is. is listen, that's an upgrade. When you can replace uh, Shelton and Cedric with four lovely ladies upgrade. Hello. Absolutely. Yeah, no, five ladies. What is wrong with you? I mean, come That's on. Right. 
we learned that Braun has broken ribs, so I guess he's written off TV for a little bit, or really has broken ribs. I don't know. But they, they did like an open challenge, but uh, Drew came out to answer, and they said, except for you or Braun. Um, and then there was a later swerve where they said nobody said anything about a title match. Um, we had AJ and Elias in a heel versus heel <laughs> match. Yeah, that was weird. Very weird. Are, um, you think they're turning them face? somebody's going to be turned face. I, I'm not sure who, I don't know. I don't know how you do it with Riker or Elias, but I likewise don't know how you do it with, with, with the way that uh, AJ and almost have been acting, but you, I don't, you can't, I, you can't do it. If you're about, you're a month away from going alive with audiences. You, you can't do it with Elias. Elias is a natural born heel. Same thing with Corbin. You can't, you're about to get audiences back. These guys are your biggest heels. Yeah. For fan reaction. I also, when you have almost, you have a monster um, who, you know, is supposed to be booed, but will probably get cheered anyway. But they are sort of thin for faces at the top, and maybe they want AJ back in there again. I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening. There, there may not be any reason. All I know is that at some point during the match, AJ developed a very small cut. It seemed like he must have shaved during the match. And nicked himself shaving. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> he had like, like a shaving cut, like in the middle of his cheek. Uh, yeah. It was really weird. We then saw Riddle in the New Day. You know, Riddle basically tricked the New Day and, and Orton into meeting them. Um, anyway, it didn't work out very well. There was a joke about reptile dysfunction. Uh, Kofi challenged, uh, you know, the RK bros, and they accepted. And we already talked about Riddle doing the funny thing that I liked. We saw Alexis Playground with Tamina and Natty. We learned there was a rematch there. Lily doesn't like Reginald. So, I mean, uh, no. I guess, the, you know, Lily and Alexa targeting Shayna and Naya and Reginald. Um, uh, two two things here. One, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week because of the time. There was a lapse in between we, when we recorded last show and uh, Natty and Tamina winning the titles. What are your thoughts on them winning the tag titles? It's fine. It's exactly fine. I loved it. I mean, I, I love the emotion that they showed. And they, you know, the, the women's tag team titles, tag, yeah, the tag titles get shit on for being this meaningless title. But here you had in just one fell swoop, Natty and Tamina, two veterans, giving it some shine and some importance because of the way they reacted to it. Like it meant something to them to win that title. Like even you saw like backstage clips of Tamina crying and getting a phone call from Sasha Banks. And they're both like, so overjoyed. Like it's great stuff. I loved it. Yeah. Don't care. All I saw is that two women who nobody cares about carrying titles and nobody cares about. So harsh. Okay. Listen, this is what you get for defending zombies. <laughs> you, the, My partner is now turned into the undead? That's right. So, so we cool. have Garza, the Latin Lothario, referred to by Adnavark as the lethal Lothario, which was only one of his many oral botches, which is far different than oral sessions. Um, <laughs> but Garza basically squashed Gulak again, even after Gulak said that's not going to happen. And this time he stuffed the rose into Garza's mouth. At why do you part, think? Why do you think he changed from stuffing it into people's butts? Well, just Gulak's butt. He's the only guy that he stuffed it into his butt, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you think? He, first off, why do you think he started with that, and why wasn't it followed up? 
because fuck you, that's why. I have, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> All right, there, Bruce Pritchard. Maybe, maybe he just thought that that he wanted to embarrass him in more than a different way this week. You know, just do but something. But he's gulag. He's just embarrassed because he's on air. Or maybe, or, or maybe Garza was afraid that if he did this, that would be a shtick. He'd like be another Rikishi where it was a stink face. That he was always going to be doing something to the ass, and he wanted to get away from that and not do that. Which, if 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 that was the case, I think that was a smart decision. Agreed. Oh um, my God! You'd be like the McMahon kiss your ass club, which was sort of funny with McMahon, but got played out. But whatever. Um, oh, oh! I wanted to ask you a second thing regarding to uh, Shayna and Naya and Lily and Alexa. I saw in some places on in the wrestling community they were talking about the possibility of humanizing Lily into an active wrestler. What are your thoughts on that? And if they were to do it, who should be Lily? Well, I mean, I was all for with Bray's, you know, playhouse with humanizing the puppets. Uh, so I'm sort of all for it here, but who should it be? I mean, if I was to pick anyone in the, you know, in the wrestling universe, I would probably pick like a Rosemary. I think that, that she makes the most sense. I think that she could play that role and, you know, it'd be nice for her to get a payday, but I think that she's, you know, still with impact and, you know, I think she likes staying in Canada. She's from there. Uh, mm -hmm. Someone on the WWE roster. I mean, I don't want them paired together again, but she has nothing to do. So Nikki Cross, we recently saw on TV being confused that she's a, should she be a, a lumberjack with the rest of the men. So, you know, maybe she can be in this, but I mean, it seems like Alexa rejected her. So why would she then, pick her up unless she just unless lily just needs a you know an extra body to possess i don't know i mean it'd be funny if it was eva marie <laughs> they, they have a ton of people i mean mia yim hasn't been on tv in a long time so you know could could be her um mm -hmm. but they have a million people in the pc i just don't make it zia lee please don't make it zia lee yeah i don't know i saw that around and i was like huh That'd be... I don't think they're going to because they didn't do it with Bray, so I don't think they're going to do it here either. We might as well skip ahead to the women's match, and then we can circle back. But there was the tag team title match. We already said that the that the current champs retained. They retained because Alexa was watching from the stage top, and Lily was giggling, and Reginald was walking up the steps, and the pyro blasted. So he was knocked back and you know blinded by the fire. He was acting like he was burned, but... He was a, the timing was bad because he was only on the second step. He wasn't close enough. So a little bit of a botch there. Anyway, with that distraction, the uh, champions retained by giving an homage to the Hart Foundation, delivering a heart attack on Shayna while Naya was out of the ring, you know, sort of palpitating and worried about poor Reginald. And then we heard Lily giggle, which was creepy the first time, sort of creepy the second time. Stupid the third time. I'm really stupid the fourth time. Really, really annoying the fourth time. I, I take it that you most certainly agree with that. I agree with it, but I'm also I don't I don't care about it because I have I have really low expectations. I can I can tell that, but okay. All right. So anyway, when are we gonna get Alexa back on her knees? Is my question. I don't know. So during going back to the gulag uh, embarrassment, I at that point I'm like back to the gulag. Well, around that time, not gulag, gulag. I was like thinking to myself, God, I really hope the 24/7 title is retired. I haven't seen it in, in weeks. They haven't mentioned. And right then and there, I see R Truth playing the ostrich, 
closing his eyes, thinking that people can't see him when he closed the eyes like he's a three-year-old. And then we see Tozawa crawling around like a snake, the second snake that thing, was, about 10 minutes. The way, he, the way he rappelled down the stairs very quietly, it's very impressive to me. I was just like, wow, I don't think if I, if I were to try to do that, I probably would fall down the stairs. Yeah. And uh, Tozawa <laughs> rolls up our uh, truth for the title. Yay. We then see the same Eva Marie vignette as last week. That was the first of two vignettes. The second one was new, but it wasn't that new. Um, They're all nude. No, nothing was nude. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's just in my mind. Right. We then have, yeah, that's why you have your Eva lotion. (laughs) That's right. That is why I have my Eva lotion. Orton and Kofi. Kofi gets a roll-up win. Lame. Uh, There's a little altercation with the New Day. Riddle shoves Xavier, so obviously we're going to get Riddle against Xavier one-on-one next week, so I don't know if Riddle's going to be a temporary heel or what. We then cut to Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce in in the back room with the objections by other women's tag teams, Rush and Glow, Naomi and Lana, and Blonde Ambition, which is Mandy and Dana Brooke. Uh, arguing about who should get the title. And Charlotte walks in and says, you two blew your ta- your chances. And I thought at that point she was going to introduce a partner and she was going to say she wants in on that. But instead, the women just go, puffed hmm, and walked away. And we see that Mandy Rose is wearing a Hermes belt because uh, that's what we cover here on Hammerlock Hangover. And that's what you cover. We, Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte, what's a one-on-one match with Rhea? Um and basically the officers, the officials say, well, Charlotte, you're facing Oscar tonight, and whoever wins that match will be the number one contender. And Charlotte, to my surprise, go, all right, well, that's reasonable. And so this whole segment was sort of silly. And then Rhea comes in, still not clear whether she's a face or a heel, but she's cocky again, and she's basically like, hey, Charlotte, you're yesterday's news. I want some new competition, which would have been a great time for someone new to walk in and introduce them and say, well, I'm glad. I, I thought you'd never ask us. Here I am, and I'm coming at – no, 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 nothing like that. So then we uh, we get uh, heel ricochet copying heel Nakamura's gimmick. Uh, he gets a U.S. retitle match. Adnan refers to Sheamus as the ginger-headed juggernaut. Um he oh is chastised God. by Corey for that, rightfully so. So, as it turns out, at the pay-per-view, after Heel Ricochet stole Sheamus's stuff, he actually threw it back at Sheamus. I don't remember seeing it. I don't remember it being replayed, but apparently that happened. And then the story is that Ricochet went into the locker room and stole Sheamus's stuff again because it was funny, and he wanted to try it out, and he wants to be a hat model, not a wrestler, and he's really bad at wrestling. He's tired of people calling him out on social media and stuff like that. Um, and he's better than Io Shirai, but not, only at wearing a hat, and so he wanted to <laughs> and a winter coat in summer. So there was a whole bunch of stuff like that. So the story should have been that Seamus demands that he answer for his actions, which is the promo that Seamus cut, but the rest of Seamus made sense, but no one else made sense. None, none of the rest of us make, make sense. Anyway, Ricochet comes out and saves this entire thing by giving an, an Ernest the Cat Miller reference, and so all is forgiven right there as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that was it. That, that's all it takes. Seamus wins. He accepts Lashley's open challenge. Retribution, or Mason T-Bar, doing an Ascension promo, I think word for word, also accept Lashley's open challenge. They don't say which one of them accepts Lashley's open challenge. 
we then have the Charlotte Oscar match. Rhea observes. Basically, Charlotte, you know, is distracted by Rhea, kicks her in the face, her leg gets tied up in the ropes. Oscar gets a roll of win, so she's the number one contender. A little bit of a surprise there, a little bit of a pleasant surprise there. So, I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I was surprised. But it was it was a it was a good shock or, or surprise or shock is what they were going for. So mission accomplished. Um Morrison, I love them wrestling. Whenever they're in the ring, I love them. Yeah, no, they're, well, they're they're probably one and two in the world. I mean, you know, if, if they're not one and two in the world, they're they're certainly two of the top five. When, I I re- as I as I was watching them, I got vibes of like, and and maybe it's because she's Flair and and you know, um, Oscar is Asian, um, but it. I couldn't help but remember, like, think about, like, these guys remind me of Flair and Steamboat. Like, every match that they put on is a good match. And, you know, they they just keep getting better and better. And I think they genuinely like working with each other. Agreed. Yeah, that's the other thing that I, that I think, like, you know, just like Flair and Steamboat back in the 80s, they really respected one another and enjoyed working with each other so much so that they carry that feud on for like three or four years. Yeah. And nobody got tired of it. Nobody got tired of it. You know, in, in Viviana's interview with Lanny, he brought up on Solicit cause she hasn't followed wrestling, certainly not wrestling history, but she said that Randy was always frustrated cause he was a perfectionist. He can never duplicate that WrestleMania three match with Ricky Steamboat. Of course, Viviana's really? nodding, pretending. Yeah. And, and, that was because it takes two to do the dance and there was no one else as good as Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. Or at least that was the, that was the only time that they fought, I think uh, at WrestleMania three, right. But unless you want to count like dark matches, I'm not sure. I I'm sure they had a wrestle in NWA and territories that I'm sure their paths had crossed before. But yeah, I mean, I, I've heard stories about how Randy choreographed every every single move and step of that match, and Ricky's like, "Relax, we're going to be fine." <laughs> you know, the whole yeah. Time. But um, all right. So the next match is is John Morrison. He's dedicating tonight's match to the the memory of the Miz, which I thought was funny. This was a human lumberjack match, and we had Nikki Cross with the boys. We already talked about that. Anyway, Damian Priest won as he should have. So you know. So Morrison's defeated. He still hasn't turned on the Miz. The Miz is still dead, and Nikki Cross is still confused. Uh, but I, I think it was her who actually threw Morrison back into the ring, leading to the defeat. So I don't know if that will play into things or not. So I don't know if Nikki Cross is going to be Damian Priest's next Bad Bunny, or if she's just going to, you know, if her gimmick is now if she thinks she's a man and she's going to wrestle in the men's division and she'll say equality and, and they're going to have that storyline, which is, I don't know. Uh, a dangerous, uh, it seems like a narrow patch of ice to try to cross, but I'm not even sure if I'm right. I just don't know where they're going with it. Otherwise. I don't know. I just like, I, I like just having her there. She yeah. it was fun. She was good. Yeah. Damien Priest also accepts the open challenge. Um, this is where we saw the second Eva lotion vignette. Uh, we then see Shelton doing an interview with uh, one of the interview women in the back. And Shelton accepts the open challenge as well. Cedric applauds. I notice that both of them are no longer wearing the Hurt Business tights. They finally have regular tights on. So, yay. It's bothering you. It definitely was bothering me. They should be wearing different tights. Um, Was it an Hermes tight, though? 
No, 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 nothing that fancy. But one of them, I'm not sure which one offhand, was still wearing. It was still a black and gold theme. So uh, I don't know if there's anything to read into that. Um, so Smashley goes out. They point out that nobody said anything about a title match. Um, it's Kofi Kingston who accepted the open title. So the other seven people who accepted the challenge didn't bother to come out. And there was a pregnant pause. And then we hear Kofi's music, the New Day's music rather. And Kofi comes out. Nobody's coming out to, to you know, try to get that role. Anyway, it turns out it was just a match. Um, what I didn't mention earlier is that when Kofi beat Orton, it's because Xavier blew the trombone, which distracted Orton with the noise. Xavier does that a second time, and it worked on Lashley, too. So we've got two dumb heels falling for the same thing twice, and Kofi gets a non-title win. Um, it was also with because of that distraction that Drew McIntyre took MVP's cane and hit Lashley in the gut with the cane head. So that also caused the upset win. Now, while I thought this was dumb, I actually am glad about this because I don't want to see Braun and Drew facing Lashley again. This has been played out. I don't think anyone thinks it's necessarily over yet, but obviously Kofi's going to have some program for a while, which I think is good for him. But, it, you know, I'm not a giant Kofi Kingston fan, but it's at least it's different and it was unexpected. So from that perspective, it was a bit of a surprise. And so, you know, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I was going to ask you a question. I forgot what I was going to ask. Oh, regarding Drew McIntyre, do you think that Drew McIntyre is turning heel? Uh, I think he should turn heel. Um, I mean, he needs some sort of a change. He's a better heel than he is a face. He's okay as a face. It's just, I don't know. It's just for a company that lays off a lot of people and also doesn't use other people, they sure do put the same ones on TV all the time with the same pairings all the time. So, I mean, it's sort of hard not to get old. I mean, Smashley doesn't because Smashley is amazing. But I don't know. It's. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind a true McIntyre turn heel, but I, I, I would just sort of like him to be doing something else for a while. I mean, I'd be okay with the him and Sheamus revisiting their friendship thing. I'd be okay with a whole bunch of things. Him and Ginger. Um, I'm not into Ginger, but yeah, it's different. I mean, different is different. I know. I mean, I know him and Ginger have danced before, but he's got those two guys there. I mean, there, there's plenty of things they, they could do there. Um, you know, you could, you know, Drew could call upon Braun again and they could have an uneasy alliance and maybe do a team hell no thing for a while uh, where they're new brothers of destruction or whatever. And then they turn on each other, whatever it is. It could it could take both those guys out of the title picture for half a year to a year and a half. No problem. Um, and still elevate one or both of them back into the picture at a date in the future. Um, yeah. But so. No, I'm 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 gonna say the WWE needs its faces now, and Drew is an adequate face. I, I I just think that he's sort of played out. Yeah, I feel like sometimes he gets too cheesy, and he needs to have an edge to him. So maybe that's what they're trying to show. All righty. I mean, on SmackDown, you you have I mean Cesaro came out and to man up to Roman, and then Seth Rollins trashed him and sent him to the hospital again. I guess this is a way to write off Cesaro for a couple of months. Um, yeah, and also to let us know that we're not going to get a Cesaro-Roman rematch for a while, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, we talked about Bailey Bianca. Did you mention that that uh, Eric Bukhagen is Rick Boogs doing a guitar gimmick with Nakamura, do, basically doing the electric version yeah. of, of Elias? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I didn't mention that. Um, I don't know. I mean, 
I have to tell you that that I thought it was pretty funny. He, and and the, the guitar playing of Nakamura's theme was pretty good. But he also used this as a distraction for Nakamura to get the win on Baron Corbin. So we used a usual uh, musical instrument distraction three times in five days. Yep. And wheels fell for it each time. So that was a bit absurd. Um, the Usos, apparently one of the Usos booked the two of them for a tag team match, I guess for next week, because uh, it wasn't tonight, but it was, but the other one didn't agree with it. I have to be honest with you. I missed who booked it. I, I assume that Jay picked it without, booked it without Jimmy's consent. I'm not even sure who they're facing, but, you know, but that's a little bit interesting. Um, it is. And then there was the Intercontinental four-way match, which was a really good match. And at mm -hmm. some point, Smoke came out, and they're wondering what's going on. Alistair Black walked out, came right into the ring. At this point, it was only Big E and Apollo Crews in the ring, and he delivers a black mass right to uh, Big E's kisser, knocks him out, and Crews retains. So Alistair Black made his appearance. He's targeting Big E. Um, so people were thinking that you know Kevin Owens is going to turn heel and there's going to be a feud there, or Big E's going to be you know, continue with the Intercontinental title. No, he's going to be in a feud with Aleister Black. So, um, or at least, or Aleister Black's going to start taking out people left and right. And who knows, but it was cool to see Aleister Black. They did another one of his stories earlier in the night. So I don't think anyone was expecting to see him twice on TV. So that was a nice little surprise. And, and SmackDown continues to be a wrestling show. <laughs> I mean, and when they do a wrestling show, it's generally good. I mean, there were other matches, but nothing important, you know, uh, Robert Roode was beaten by Dominic Mysterio. Um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know about this Alistair Black and Big E feud. I hope that's not the case because I feel like, you know, Big E's goodwill was spent trying to put over Apollo, and he did a good job of putting Apollo over as a heel. Um, but. Alistair is back from hiatus and needs to win and go over. And I don't know if Biggie should be that guy. Um, I don't know either, but I'm glad to see Alistair Black back. People have been talking about it. I, I, I'm interested in this matchup, but I, I'd be interested in, in a whole bunch of different series of matchups, just not Kevin Owens and Al Alistair Black again, because that, that just sort of, it sort of ended abruptly. And weirdly, it never really felt sincere, and it's tied back to the Mysterio Eye thing and the whole Seth Rollins stuff. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, if if Alistair Black targets a different person each week, and he's got a whole bunch of people coming after him, he doesn't have to have any one feud. But I mean, he almost has to win. So I hope you're right that it's not Biggie, because I'd rather Biggie, you know, feud with someone like I don't know, say Sami Zayn, the other guy in this match, or you know, someone like a Baron Corbin that he can beat, he can win that feud and uh, continue to advance and then work his way back to either the IC title or to Roman or whoever's the universal champion. But I, I don't think Roman should be giving up that belt while they're still on, you know, at, at least until the very end of the live tour, even, even if then. Because if they want to sell out tickets, I think they absolutely need Roman and Lashley holding those titles. Yeah, agreed. I just think... Um... If they do feed Biggie to Alistair, then I think the next logical move is to then feed Roman to Biggie. Possibly. Well, we'll see. We shall see. All right, let's move on to news. Any uh, news? 
Yeah, a, a lot of news. We'll leave probably the most important to, to last because I know you want to speak on it. But there's rumors that B Priestley, who is Will Ospreay's girlfriend or fiance, uh, is going to be signed by WWNXT UK. Um, so that is interesting, especially since she had some heat with AEW and then she had a little bit of heat sort of in the speaking out about, you know, sort of blackballing other wrestlers, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, WWE is going to do what WWE does and it's UK. So there's obviously more tolerance there. Um, Eddie Edwards is having an appendectomy, so he's going to be out for a little bit. We already talked about a couple of other noteworthy injuries. Um, Omega and Andrade is headlining Triple Mania for the uh, AAA Mega Championship. I'm going to predict early on that Omega is dropping that title and AAA is going to take their belt back and never look back at an American promotion again for you know, the better part of a decade. Agreed. A little update on legal stuff. The Matt Riddle trial uh, update status is that discovery is starting now um, and the trial is not expected for at least a year. So we will be following the news on discovery, but don't expect a trial for a year. And that also doesn't rule out. In fact, when discovery closes, I fully expect there to be uh, motions for summary judgment and or motions to dismiss uh, dismissed by the defense, which is Matt Riddle. Um, other ratings that we didn't cover, SmackDown dropped 482,000. No one's really talking about that to 1.8 million. Raw increased at 6,000, not a lot, but they were at 1.823 million. So Raw actually did better than SmackDown this week. I don't know if there was anything last Friday that they would explain that, but it was the SmackDown before the go-home show. So, you know, not great. MLW talked about the draft. I, you know, I don't know anyone else who was drafted other than Davey Richards. I told you how many people watched it. They are in rerun territory this week. Only 12,000 watched the, the rerun. 26,000 watched the rerun from a week ago, and the Dario debut three weeks ago, uh, up to 93,000 views. Women of Honor, uh, for Ring of Honor, this week, only 12,000 views. Last week, 82,000 views. Want to know why? Because wifey, Quinn McKay Lipman, made her wrestling debut on that show. It's not because people are interested in women's wrestling Ring of Honor, per se, because the week before was 14,000. And the first week, and the only reason I'm going four weeks back is because I think last time we reported it was at 33,000 or 36,000, still at 36,000. Not a single soul has watched it or less than 3,000 people have watched it since a week ago. Other minor items, well, not minor, Violent by Design are the new Impact Tag Team Champions. The Tag Team Champions, uh, Finjuice, actually held off a challenge. I can't even remember who they fought, and then they were somehow... Surprised by Violent by Design on the Thursday night show last night, not on um, Under Siege. Um, Kojima, uh, who is a Japanese wrestler, I think he's a young lion. He's a big, young, muscly guy. Um, he's going to appear at Impact Slammiversary. So that New Japan Impact relationship still seems to be continuing on uh, to some degree anyway. Um and you know what? I think we covered all of the other news. So cool. Yeah, that that's everything I've got except for the big the news. Yeah, the passing of New Jack. I just uh, not much to say here other than, I mean, very controversial figure. Um, uh, Dark Side of the Ring did a really good job uh, going in-depth on his uh, career and all of 
his life. So I don't want to kind of go into that. All I just want to say is, you know, um, condolences to the wife and the family. Uh, it was very estranged from, I guess, his child. Uh, I don't want to get into the business and the drama about that, but it seemed like he attempted to make amends at the end, but uh, fell short. But everything uh, has been forgiven now in his passing. Um, I only want to say that I recall going to the Elks Lodge in Queens when ECW was a thing and in its peak. And seeing New Jack live is just you got this air of like something special. Like the, he was a wild character and you never saw anything like it before. And so I just want to say that like I was, I was able to see him live. I was able to be in the arena for a lot of ECW shows at the Elks Lodge. And I thought, you know, he was one of those characters where like, you're not going to forget what you saw tonight because he was just all over the place doing all kinds of things, jumping off the second story balcony and other things. So, um, yeah, he was quite a figure and quite an entertainer. New Jack is one of those guys that a lot of people who knew him say that he was cool with them and they're very fond of him because he was cool with them. But I think all of us in our lives have had that friend who was cool with us. And so we like them, but we knew that they weren't a good guy. And I don't think New Jack was a good guy. Uh, we know that he abused drugs. I've heard plenty of stories where he goes into towns and with whoever the promoter is or whoever's, um, you know, driving him around that, that he's having them drive around so he can buy drugs. Um, he tried to kill three people in the ring, not accidents, purposely tried to kill three people in the ring, which is not what he's supposed to. It's the opposite of what you're supposed to. So New Jack, every bit of le a legend, but probably a legend for mostly the wrong reasons. I know there's a lot of people who love him and their fans. I tend to think that those are the same people. If this, if, if they saw the same act today, they, they would be on social media decrying it and trying to cancel him because he's an old man and it's done and it's the past, it's over. Anyway, you know, he's dead. He died young. Rest in peace. I didn't know him, but I was never a fan. So I don't know. I mean, you know, is it sad? I guess. Uh, what can I say? Copy that. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the show, everybody. I don't think we've got uh, anything else. Hopefully we get to see in the next week of wrestling more zombies so we can continue our zombie discussion. Back to life. Back, back to, to reality. reality. It's funny how last week we ended our show arguing about Kazar and the Savage Land, and now we're talking about zombies. Lots of sci-fi. Zombie, zombie in your head. Very good. We'll leave you with some cranberries. All right, everybody. Have a good week and uh, stay safe, everybody. Stable, my friends.